We're here again after five. I'm here with Jonathan. We have the pleasure of Carlo Stigliano, cinematographer, photographer, surfer, and all around just a cool guy. Thank you for having me. Welcome. It. We're just listening to a little beat right here that Carlo made. Quite a, quite a while ago. Oh, yeah. I love, I love those, like, relaxed... Just a chill, lo-fi thing. Yeah, so yeah. it's actually it's actually kind of funny that we started on this. I didn't accidentally. We're watching a YouTube video for those of you guys watching with your ears. Um, you you started out as an entrepreneur, not in photography. No, I no, didn't. no, no. Tell us, um, a, you started out in fashion. In a way, yes. Yeah. So I started going way, way back. I started when I was about fourteen years old. I found a passion in DJing. Um, and luckily for me, I had a father who was also entrepreneurial. So he saw that I kind of was into this and bought me a cheap little like controller, DJ controller. Um, I practiced for a long, long time. I did my first high school gig, um, and I got paid for it. And then from there, how old were you when you did that? Uh, 15. Oh, geez. Was it your high school or, uh, it was my high school. Okay. Um, it was a house party. (laughs) Um, and then from there I did a bunch of other birthday parties. And then when I turned 16, 16 and a half or so the summer when I turned 16, I did, uh, teen nights at nightclubs. Okay. Um, so that was a fun experience. Um, but at like 15, 16 years old, I pretty much ran a small business, I guess I would say, Mm. um, DJing. I made a little bit of money here and there. Um, but from there I kind of stopped. Um, and that's where I came into music production. That's where I became a music producer. Um, I would start making beats and stuff like that. I went to school for it. Um, but as far as my clothing company, that came senior year of high school, right before college. Uh, it was a surf lifestyle type brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I went to. I went for about a year or so. I stopped it due to legal issues. A company out in Los Angeles called Crooked mm-hmm. Clothing um, contacted me about a cease and desist because mm-hmm. mine was crooked. K-R-O-O-K-D. Theirs was K-R-O-O-K-E-D. Um, and me being... Yeah, that's probably going to happen to us with After Five. I'm always worried somebody's <laughs> going to come out. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, so pretty much they were intimidated by your shit. Like they that's, that's what I thought. I was yeah. like, because I was r- really small, to be honest. Really small. And this company had maybe three, 400,000 followers on Instagram because they were very established. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering how they even found out about me. Um, but me being kind of young and... I completely dissolved the business. I didn't even try argue. I didn't do anything because I didn't really know. No payout, no nothing. No, I, nothing. I just stopped because they said they would take everything, but in reality, I, I had nothing. Yeah, so I would have turned to them and been like, come and get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, looking back yeah. at it now, I probably should have fought a little bit harder, but I was young. I didn't really know what to do at the time. Yeah, but you, you still learn. It sounds like you learned well, a lot. That, that experience in that one year taught me more about business than I truly believe college would have taught me in four years. Um, just about legal issues, uh, trademark, LLCs, all those different types of things, me actually having to do it was way better and more beneficial than having taught, uh, being taught by someone in a school setting. Yeah. And not, you actually and had to pay attention. It. I actually had to pay attention. I had to use my own money to do these things. And it's a, <coughs> it's a more expensive experience than college. Very. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Damn. Crooked. You sons of bitches. Yeah. But and honestly, they did it. Like, you, you could take that away as a negative, but... It's completely positive. Yeah, because you learned so much from it, and you you probably have, like, I mean, some people might look at you as, like, maybe an overnight success. Like, oh, my God, Carlo just started taking pictures, and all of a sudden this happened. But, like, truthfully, you 
before you were even 20 years old, you had more negative experience, but in, you know, the dictionary sense of the word that like taught you. That's awesome. About business for sure. And that's how I kind of got into photography is when I had the clothing company, I didn't have enough to pay for a photographer or videographer. Mm. So I had a camera and I just did everything myself. Um, And from there, I actually stopped photography for a while for like six months when I was in college. Um, And then I picked it back up after that and it it pretty much went full sale from there. What, What would you say was like the turning point where you realized that like photography could be like your, you know, your nine to five? Yeah, that's tough. I think, so I was introduced... I was introduced to these two people named uh, Ty Poland and Vin D'Amelio. They own a production company in New Jersey. Um, And when I got introduced to them, they taught me on their, they brought me onto their video shoots, which was real estate, which isn't the most exciting thing to shoot in the world. But no, but people pay in real estate, right? They have to get photos taken. For me, being um, non experienced in the video and photo business world, um, me seeing what they were doing and getting paid for it and well, really intrigued me in a way um, because I was doing photo and video for nothing really and I was trying to figure out a way to make a business out of it. Um, you were trying to take your talent and then create ha- like create the connection between you know your talent and how that generates income. Completely. Um, because at that time I was a full-time landscaper. I dropped out of college and I because college wasn't for me. Um, I dropped out of school and I was a full-time landscaper. Um, so middle of the summer I got connected with those people and I was part-time landscaper, part-time assisting with them for no pay. I didn't get paid for about three months um, traveling all over the place uh, just for pure passion and just self-education in a way. So ha- like, so during the time that you were landscaping... You I, know, I cut my days back. You cut your days back so that you would have more time during the week to hang out with these guys yes. so you could learn their business? And not get paid for it. So I took a pay cut... Um, just to experience this, which I knew in return for the longer term would be more beneficial to me. That's, um, you know, <laughs> oh man, I wish more people could understand, could that. understand that sacrifice. Um, I can't say that I, I don't know when, when that clicked for me, because I think I was probably really young and I understood that like in order to get places, I was probably like 12 years old and my dad explained to me what an intern was. He's like, yeah, you go to a law firm and if you want to make Big money at when you come out of school, you go and you work for them for free while you're in school and you learn everything you can learn. And then that makes you more powerful. And like when we talk to people, um, a lot of like subcontractors, when they get started, like when they start, you know, their businesses, we we love helping out the new guys. And I never asked anybody to do anything for free in that regard. But I always try to explain them like you got to there has to be a sacrifice here. You have to leave blood on the mat. Like, if you go into a boxing match and your blood's not on the mat, you didn't get in a fight. Yeah. And, it, like, I don't think people people always connect, like, well, I'm doing this task. This task equals money. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll do this task for money. Yeah. But if they want to, like, accelerate and do that task plus, you know, maybe enhance it or maybe do a little bit more, you need you need to give something up. And I don't know, maybe because you were younger, you were willing to do that earlier on, or is that just kind of like how you still treat things? I still treat things like that big time. Um, I pretty much look at it as how much value you can provide to someone or a client is how much you deserve to get paid, Mm. pretty much in a way. Um, But as far as going back to that, I did find myself more willing to do that because I was very, I think I was 19. Mm. Um, I still lived at home with my mom. 
I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have any of those things, any of those responsibilities other than really myself. So I took that risk. Um, even now, I'm still, I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. Um, I do still live at home. Uh, so I am willing to take more risks. And I'm fortunate and blessed enough to have a mother that doesn't um, have to have me pay rent, um, which is really nice. But um, that really does depict some of the risks that I do take currently. Yeah, so we, you know, what I, you yeah, know yeah. why? She's Italian. Completely. Dude, I come, my <laughs> wife comes from an Italian yeah. family, <laughs> and they want their kids to live with them until they're like 35 my or 40. Says, I, I tell my mom that I want to. Um, I, I, <laughs> no, no. I'm creating plans to move out. With yeah. my, and she's like, no, no, no. You're not. No, she's no, not no. happy. She's like, no. no, yeah. no, no, no. It's like, so no, funny. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that there there's something to be said. I with people that like live at home or live at home during college or their parents, like even if their parents like pay for their college or any of this, like I, I definitely lived at home during college and took advantage of that. Um, I think it's important and it shouldn't be shameful. It shouldn't be. But the reason it is shameful is because there's like not enough attention given to like people like you that are like, Hey, I'm sacrificing right now. Yeah. It sucks living at home with my mom, but honestly, this allows me to do this, this, and this. Everybody else is like, not doing this, this, and this. So they're just living at home with their mom, at which point that's embarrassing. So let's connect that. Why is there a stigma about living at home? That doesn't make any sense. I just explained it. Yeah. It's if you're not doing shit, it sucks. But if you're not, like if you can't go to the bar and be like, yeah, I'm living at home right now, but you know, I'm building this business or I'm doing this or I'm, you know, I live at home, but I travel nine months out of the year because I'm trying to become a professional cyclist or something like that. Like, People that live at home and just like, like you see them like post on Facebook, be like, oh, everybody, let's get on Call of Duty, PlayStation 4. We don't discriminate if you have Xbox. It's like, bro, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> come on. And I'm like, I'm 32. So when I see people doing that, I'm like, oh, you poor soul. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if you're taking the time to sacrifice, do what you want to do, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's an opportunity because not everybody can do that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> not every home's big enough. Not every right. parent's like give you enough space. We're like you. You have people that, you know, need to get out of high school and pay like pay bills, and like they don't have that luxury. So I get furious at people that just like blow that away. Like you have the like you like yeah maybe your parents aren't paying for college, but you know all you have to worry about is paying your car payment and your cell phone bill, and you're still complaining about you didn't pay for college. Like it's like. What, like how many free things do you want in order to be successful? I think a lot of that has to do with how they were raised, how a lot of kids, especially my age, how they were raised. Because um, hmm. I, I think of it a lot of the times my parents or a lot of the people of my parents' generation say that they want their kids to have a better life than they did, hmm. meaning that their parents um, had to struggle to get to the success that they were Sacrifice. At. Sacrifice, yeah. yeah. So they don't want their kids to sacrifice, <coughs> but right. in return that's hurting the kids way more because they don't have to – put that effort in effort in to succeed themselves. They they get given that success in a way or they're well, they get not to be cheesy, things. but diamonds are created from pressure. Mm-hmm. And if you don't put any pressure on your kids, yes. let me, I that was cheesy. I, I definitely want to hit the college thing and paying for it. Um, because I think what you said is every, every parent wants to give their kids something better than they had. And some of the ways you do that is you want to give your kid a head start. And I think this might, <laughs> this might morph into a down, you know, a very productive conversation, kind of what's going on with the world today. It's, it's kids can't choose who their parents are, right? They're born into the world. They can't choose the, the level of 
class or income level that they are. They can't choose their race. They can't choose their sex. Like or participation. Well, I guess they could choose their sex, but that's a whole nother story. But, <laughs> um, so like, but if if you're able to watch your parents <laughs> sacrifice and and give it their all to where, you know, uh, you know my you know my parents like hid the fact that they had to make decisions on how many Christmas toys they could have or like how many ski trips we could go on, which all sounds like really fun, like crazy saying that, but it's, you know, they had to choose sometimes between like Christmas toys and like a Christmas dinner and they made that choice, but they hid that all from us when we were growing up. And, um, and I think that sacrifice, like as you see your parents working hard, if you can instill that hard work into your kids yes. and you can still pay for their college, but it's not going to affect them. I think that's a judgment call on parents part. Mm. Or a lot of a lot of parents are sending their kids away to college, as almost like a a babysitter for them to transition life into like the real world, right? We've talked about that, um, but the last thing I'll say is, and just to kind of is, if if the kid and the parent can understand that the kid is prepared to have their parents pay for college and not waste that time, or somehow give back, I don't look at that as a negative at all. I think it's like, whoa, those parents are bettering their kids, and the more you can better the kids the farther they're going to get as long as they've been taught like a work ethic. I completely agree. I, yeah, I think that what, and I don't like, I haven't raised kids successfully yet, but I really think that I would probably, if I had that responsibility, I I would put it an intelligent emphasis on time and like the value of time, not necessarily time management in like the scientific or like educational sense. But like when I was younger, and this played out very negatively in my early 20s. I I was obsessed with, like, I don't have enough time. Like, I want to do so much with my whole life. And I knew what I wanted to do with everything. Like, I had it all mapped out. But, like, I had to grind nonstop. Like, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like, that's what it was going to take to move the, move it forward. And I, turned, I just turned into a miserable person after a while. Um but I also think that was healthy in the same way because now I have a very, you know, serious respect for my time that, like, I don't find myself, like, wasting it as much. Like, I don't get into, I don't really try and engage in meaningless conversations. I don't really try and, like, and it might come off like I'm an asshole sometimes, but it's really just that, like, I know now that in order for me to do all of these things, I have to like be specific with my time and like apply my energy because you get fatigued and you get tired and you get angry and you make poor decisions when you don't like when you just are running around like a madman. I I find that to be very like uh, very true to myself as well. I found that change in college for me when I dropped out because freshman year and half of sophomore, um, I was surrounding myself with these certain types of people that maybe didn't have a goal in mind for themselves or weren't driven and they were kind of... uh, the stereotypical college, they were the party. Or Very easy to do it, to get yes. lost in so that. So I got, I, I, I kind of lost my way a little bit. Um, and I, once I started to realize this and realize that I wasn't really myself anymore, I pretty mm-hmm. much left school um, and taught and told myself that I really need to determine who I want to surround myself with. Because um, I, I really did find that when I was around these people, my my mind was feeling this certain way. But if I was around this person who was like like me, who owned a business that was into photography video, my mind was racing the whole time positively. Mm. Um, so I really learned that 
not that I'm not friends with certain people anymore. I just don't want to associate myself with them so much anymore because I can't drag myself down and it won't bring me closer to my goal. Um, so I really, I pick and choose who I really hang out with a lot. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, a point we, I, I don't think you can overemphasize that, but we definitely emphasize like who you spend your time with, like ultimately dictates like, who you are like you're like we're all kind of chameleons and if like you're hanging out with a bunch of you know terrible people or people with like yeah agendas that aren't aligned with yours like they might not even be bad people they just might not be on the same page as you they might not want the same things i I love them but they just weren't fitting into my where i wanted to be in life yeah it's not always you gotta (coughs) run away from i I do think when you hang out with people i think uh, a a wide variety of some people touches in your life is important because it brings things into perspective like if you constantly hang out with the same person or the person exactly like you you may be running astray and not realize it i think there's also do you think that's happening a lot now like i I never even really thought about that until you just said that Uh, i mean do you think like people on average if you probably go that probably hang out with just like the same people all the time and don't seek that yeah and and the the other thought is if you're self-aware enough to realize who you're hanging out with is a reflection of like where where you're going to be or how successful or how much drive you're going to have. I think we all have like a responsibility also to hang out with the guys that are like, you know, maybe don't quite click yet that you want to help to drag along. I think there is some dragging along. It's not like I think if, if you can continue being positive and continue to be in that mindset of production that you can actually bring people with you. So just like people and maybe that's just a transition. You know, I find myself talking to some 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 people every day that I really want to like help and push along and it's like it's like I feel like sometimes I'm running through mud but yeah it doesn't affect how my work ethic is right because I still know when I get off that phone I'm still driving my business my family whatever I'm driving do you get but, uh, you but I do like to pull people along I, sure. I, I, I feel like a it's a responsibility yeah, do you ever get frustrated by those people oh all the time man mm-hmm. I just want to mm-hmm. punch them in the face yeah. but that doesn't solve anything <laughs> I want to throw a brick through a glass wall. It doesn't do anything. Well, like, on that point, then, like, was there anybody that, like, that you can say other than the gentleman that you interned for um, that lifted you up? Uh, There's there's a lot of people that I'm really grateful for. Um, A few older – a lot of people that I hang out with are typically older than me. Um, Uh I guess it kind of ranges from, like, 25 years old to – I have a bunch of friends that are almost 40. Um, but those having that range, that age gap and variety of friends really creates a really unique perspective for me because I have friends that are dads and I also have friends that are single 25 that live in their own apartment. So I get that perspective and I get the 40 year old dad's perspective who also is a videographer and photographer. Mm. So, um, seeing that different age gap and having those friends really creates a worldly picture for me. In a way, yeah, no yeah, pun intended. Right, yeah. it's like a, <laughs> it's like your web of influence and the web of influencers. I think that a couple of people that made most impact on my life have been almost the same age as me. They just may have done something better on a particular aspect that I was lacking, and they really like forced me into that direction. Oh, so, you've inspired me too, man. Yeah, man. I wasn't really talking about you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll reach up and steal that. I'll reach up and steal the compliment. <laughs> no, 100%. Like, I would say you've been like a, a motivator in a lot of aspects of my life, but you know, I have a friend like Arvind. I'll call his name out. Like He got he got my ass in shape a yeah, couple new, of years New ago. construction Philly. Yeah, dude. He, he drove me to like... And then I took that same thing, and then I drove another buddy 
to get to a fitness level. And then, you know, I, I started a new career, a new job, and everything kind of went haywire. But there's definitely been a lot of people that have influenced that. So I, I don't know. I think, you know, I think the mentor, mentor and mentee uh, relationship is important. And I yeah, think yeah. if you're not, if you don't have a mentor at any one time and you don't have a mentee at any one time, you're going to get underbalanced or overbalanced one way or the other. So what do you, now that you've been like doing the photography, like I see you starting to get, I mean, you, you were doing cinematography for a while at the same time, yeah. that, but now I see like you're that's really, really yeah. attacking the cinematography. Yeah, so there that, is a difference between that. Completely. Can, can someone explain completely. that? Cause I'm a, I'm a, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm a so simple cinematography plan. pretty much is the way that someone can, can shoot a video, which is pretty much a set of 24 photos per one second in a way. If you want to sh- like talk about a movie, one scene is 24 individual photos per one second. Okay. Um, it's right. just like a technical term. But, um, 20, 24 photos 20, make up one second. Yeah, 24 a frames a second is the typical thing that your eye sees. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Except for those 60 frame per second videos. <laughs> yeah, those, you, you do 60 frames and then you slow it down to 24 and that's how is you it? get the slow motion. Uh. <laughs> um, but it's pretty much... You're, you're trying to create the the image between the light composition and okay. the subject, right? Um, but in a moving picture, and photography is just a still image. So, do they, do they take normal? Do they film in sixty frames per second, slow it down, and make you feel like you're moving in like normal so speed? So it, it all depends really on the the way that you want that individual scene to look. If you mm-hmm. want it at sixty frames, you're gonna know that that scene is gonna be slowed down no matter what. You can't have it at regular normal speed. But It'll it's be smooth down. at that. It's I smooth guess because it's slowed down. Yeah. So can you right. slow down 24 frames? Typically, it's pretty much no. just the same. Yeah, it's, okay, it's cool. the same. Uh, if you slow down 24 frames a second, and so typically when you create a video, you have a timeline where mm, you right. put all of your individual <coughs> clips, and it's usually 24 frames a second. If you lower that 24 frames a second clip to, say, I don't know, 18 frames a second, your clip will be very glitchy. Because in reality, that timeline is taking certain images out of that 24-second clip. Right. Just they're poofing it, gone. It's so there's there. little glitches that just, it's not filling in the gap where those images got deleted. You know what that makes me think of when Fight Club, when Tyler Durden is taking the porn and clipping it, and he works at the movie theater, so he's like That's clipping, what I was talking clipping about. the thing out, and he like sticks the porn in there, and everybody, they're like, they're like, you only for a brief second, you see it, and you know you saw it, but you're not sure you saw it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so all funny. the people in the movie theater looking around like, did we just see a piece of a porno? Like, it was 24 so seconds. Cinematography is knowing like how those 24 it's, frames. It's pretty much knowing how to light a, a space and how to light a subject to create a mood, an environment um, specific right. to the story. Not just recording on yeah. Instagram. And, not j- and that's the difference also between, I think it's more of a comparison cinematographer and a videographer. Um, cause I would consider myself a photographer, videographer, which is in a way you're pretty much just grabbing, grabbing a camera and you're just filming what's in front of you. Okay. Um, and not that cinema photographers don't do that, but they don't really, t- videographer took a term, I guess, through Instagram and social media, um, of pretty much just sh- shooting whatever's in front of you. Like point travel, and shoot. Pretty m- in or a way. In cinematographer a way. may set up a scene. Cinematographer is way more precise. Um, they take a lot more time into detail and lighting and composition. Um, not saying that videographers don't do that, but it's more so for like narrative work, higher end commercial work, documentary, uh, documentary stuff, like stuff like that. Yes, I just saw on your Instagram 
um, what is your Instagram? Carlos Stiggs, C A R L. So I was on Carlos Stiggs, and I, I I hadn't followed you till now, so I apologize. That's okay. I appreciate. But you'll feel good about shit. that when you look at it later. Yeah, thank you. But I I saw that you did all these black and white photos. You went to Ashbury Park. Asbury. 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 Is Ashbury in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Okay, Asbury Park. Asbury I get Park. Confused. Um, and you did a lot of black and white images mm-hmm. on that. And so what what was the? And they were very powerful. Like there was a super powerful. You should probably save that story. Like into your feed, so yeah. people listening to I this did, can go I, back I and watch it. it. Okay, good. Um, I love going to his page, by dude. The way. It's awesome. Like I went, it's it's legit. It's like Thank it's you. it's no, nothing false there. Um, why did you do black and white? And like, what's the meaning of that? Is that to, to I've to heard that black and white. If you want to be a real photographer, one of our clients told us this. Tom, he's like, if you want to be a real photographer, you have to shoot black and white, or learn I'd how to s- shoot I'd black say, and white. I'd say that's an interesting take. I I'd say that's false in a way, just okay. because. Or is it they're, the moment they're real of photographers that take color. Like, yeah. there's no reason why you shouldn't take. Oh color. no, I think but he was more so talking on like if you really want to be like a master of photography. Yeah. So when you turn things into black and white, you could really see the contrast of the image and where the light is actually shining on mm. the subject without you being distracted by all the different colors. Um, but going back to Asbury, the reason why I chose to do black and white is because when I was editing these, um, and I started editing in color, trying to figure out the vibe of this, and I. I wasn't happy with any of it. Yeah. I switched it to black and white just to see what it looked like. And immediately, without tweaking anything, it just felt way more real to me. It felt like it... It was powerful. It created more power than than image, than the color because it was less distracting. I definitely, encur- uh, I definitely encourage everybody to go look at these pictures because yeah. when, when you put them up being like, oh, like, you know, last night I went out and, like, you captured these things, I was scrolling through. And I'm like... This so motherfucker is casually going out taking these pictures of these protests. Or, you Are know, the protest yeah. pictures too? Your pictures of the protests in Asbury Park yesterday? Yesterday was it? Yeah, were it's stunning. I I saw. I know photographers in Philly that were down in the city for like that stuff, and their photography pales in the comparison to capture the real emotions and story. It was very much like about the drama. Yes. Your pictures were like. You looked at them, and you like you looked at the people's faces. You, you looked at their the body. Chemical. You could see you could see the tensions. You could see the lo- like you could see all of that, just with like one person in a picture. And I was like, that is the difference between Instagram photographers and Carlo. You captured like, pain. You captured like raw emotion. Did you wear like <clears throat> a really cool bandana around your neck? Like, did you look like no, Antifa? No, I just had the uh, I just had the regular uh, medical mask type thing. But how um, do you get people to like look at you that way? So, did you have a cool backpack? I did have a tactical backpack. Backpack, dude. Um, yeah, that's what I'm talking but, about. But uh, what goes in? So the biggest thing that went into these type of photos is the lens choice. Lens choice that I chose for this. Mm. Um, I could have chose any wide angle lens that would capture yeah. the entirety of the event, which right. I did with my drone. I ended up taking my drone to capture everything. Yeah. Um, but the lens choice that I picked was a very tight lens it was a 70 to 200 meaning that i can get say if i was very far from someone i could zoom in all the way to 200 and get very very close to someone um mm-hmm. and using this lens allowed me to kind of stay at a distance and kind of observe people and capture if i saw someone's face i can get right to them more mm-hmm. candid also, it was like candid where they weren't staring candid, but also with this type of lens there's something called compression so when you go to all the way to 200 millimeters, you zoom all the way in, the background gets kind of smushed in, so mm-hmm. it looks like it's bigger. And also everything that's in the foreground. So with this protest, 
there were thousands of people. So if I was shooting someone in the middle of the crowd, all the foreground, all the people would be blurred out a little bit, and that guy in the middle would be completely focused. All from just all the lens. All just from the lens choice and something called aperture, which is how open or closed the uh, ring is inside of the And when lens. you zoom in, it closes a lot. No, right? it doesn't It doesn't change at all. Depend- mm. So I have... Um, that all depends on the lens. You can get a really cheaper lens, and it will adjust. But if you have a higher-end lens, you do that manually. Um, but for some of the people, I would ask them to take a photo. Because mm. I, I really did see some beautiful compositions right in front of me, and I, I needed them to do something specific. Mm. And like, you can see, before you take the photo, can you see the end result? Andrew asked this the other day when we were talking to this homeowner who's like an audio video guy. Is it, can you see the end result of the photo before you take it, or yes. does it always exceed your expectations? Like, can you kind of both? Both. It's both. Yeah, yeah, because I could see something with my eye, and then when I put it through the lens, it can sometimes create a whole different perspective than I initially thought. So, like, like the whoa. the camera, you have taken so many pictures and studied your craft so much that like the lens is an extension of your face now. Yeah, I already before I pick up the camera to pick shoot this shot, I already know what I'm. I already know what I want. Because I, I saw it with my eye, and I already know my gear, and I know what it could do. So I know exactly kind of what it's going to look like already. Mm-hmm. And when you take a photo, and, like, you always see photographers, that they take a photo, and then they look at it. Mm-hmm. Can you tell without editing how that's going to edit out? For sure. And that, if you have to that, take another one? That all comes with um, just practice. You have to yeah. learn exposure. Typically, I like to underexpose, which makes the image a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I like moodier images a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Sure. So typically, I don't really have to look that much. I just kind of em- know. We can embed him in some protests. Well, Take yeah, no, I was a- yeah, I was actually interested. We're we're trying to get together some sort of volunteer. Like we're twenty twenty. We've definitely been talking a lot about volunteering this year. Even before like all of this, I w- I was very adamant that like this is the year that like we have to give back for all the back, good shit yeah. that we've gotten. Um. So like. Recently, obviously, like with the protests in the city, we're working or trying to work with like the Home Builders Association of Philadelphia to like, you know, give back a little bit. And we were, um, you know, probably going to reach out to you and maybe one other person to just pop in if you could or whatever. <clears throat> That's another conversation. I'm yeah. always down. At the, the whole thing from my mom, when I told her that I was going, she, of course, she was a little bit nervous because of what's going on on all the other protests. Yeah. But for me, this was a, an opportunity to document my side of history. Oh, yeah. Um, because this is pretty much what's going to be in textbooks in 20 years from now. It's important for people it's like you to people be there. to document this. And oh, I, yeah. I went with a couple of friends, and they had their own take on it as well, which is the beauty of what we do, because mm. everyone has their own perspective on it. Can you imagine great. writing a textbook in 10, 15 years with all the other facts? Because before, like a war film from World War II, there'd be like a reel. There'd be like 10, 20, there'd be an army of photographers, but... They would all probably go back to a collection point, an editor. Those photos would then go into a textbook, and it would be very t- – history is very – li- Library of Cron- Congress yeah, is where yeah, those f- yeah, videos are kept. Uh, but I'm saying, like, someone chose what image to put in the textbook, and textbooks are only the version of the editor's opinion on the history, mm-hmm. right? History is only the version of I and the beholder. There, so, there's so an now, extreme <laughs> problem with textbooks because you learned – and this didn't happen to me until probably freshman year of college – there was things I'd learned in history class like two years before, and I had um, American history studies with this man, Ollie Williams, who's a large, like maybe late 20s, big black guy, and the, the truth bombs that he was laying on us, the whole class at Bucks County Community College was like, you just vaporized four years of high school history. Yeah, so, so it'll be interesting 
in 10 years when you have Instagram, you have TikTok. I think TikTok is actually one of the most powerful storytelling tools because at the beginning, TikTok started off with like dancing and all that crap. But if you, if you really like get interested in topics on TikTok, you can actually see like very, and it's very quick and it's more edgy than Instagram, but you can really embed yourself much cleaner I like TikTok. into someone's I life did it in the beginning but i, re- I, I, like I love it. it i love it i can go yeah. on you can go on there and you can really see like what's happening in some of these protests on the ground level yeah there's some documented and, and uh doctored of course videos yeah. like yeah. Always. always but you can get an overall scope of emotion and people on the ground and like what's happening yeah. um and that's interesting so it'll be curious like maybe you know how do they compile all this data it's and come up with one perspective for history it's gonna be very hard photos and videos yeah it's it's overwhelming. What is important? They'll all be digital, maybe. Yeah. Textbooks. Yeah, I think That's what's important to yeah. that point is that, like, it's really it's really up to us um, to, like, remember and also verify a lot of this information. Because, I like, I only have two of my grandparents left, um, my dad's parents. And there's, like, times where I've, like, spoken with my grandmother and grandfather, and, like, they, they reiterate something that happened, like, that we've learned about. And they're like, oh, well, I, yeah, I remember this, blah, blah, blah. And, mm-hmm. and you, like, the way they recall it, you're like, that, it's so, it's like you can kind of be, like, like, you're like, oh, wow. Like, it's way more impactful when you have someone, like, tell you their side of it. Mm-hmm. That like when you read it in a textbook, it's like oh damn! Like I like my yeah. grandfather on my mom's side, um, fought over, volunteered after Pearl Harbor, and was Air Force um, like fighter pilot or Army fighter pilot. They named the Air Force back then, and he died when I was like thirteen or fourteen. And I didn't have a respect for a lot of that yet or understanding. And like, there's so much time now that I'm like watching these like World War Two in color and like the Battle of Midway, and you see like these. I'm like, dude, that could be my grandfather. Like, I never got a chance to be like, what happened here? Like, what? Like, what learn, was it like? You also learn history so young, yeah, right. Like, so we always learn a dumbed down version, a censored version of history because they don't want to tell a seven year old like what really happened, or else that kid's gonna go home like crying. Is that good though? No, I don't know if it's good or bad. I think there's a line to be drawn at certain ages. But I also think that what they teach in school, like with history and stuff, maybe they need to delay some of that stuff or go back and revisit it. You know, because you can really, like, get into the details and the emotions. Because when you don't understand the emotions of an event, of what's going on, it's hard to, like, put in perspective the facts. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, timeline, dot, this happened, dot, this happened. But, like, what were the people feeling? Like, what were, like... Like, looking back on 2020, you're going to be like, oh, there was a a pandemic, but was it a pandemic? It was a, you know, whatever happened there. And then we have these, we have this, this raw emotion of, of one side taking the other side. Um, And then you have a lot of, like, bad actors in here, but then you have a lot of people that are in pain that are like, look, like, you know, whether it's a, you know, whether you're black, white, Hispanic or whatever, there is something to be said about people in authority having abusive power. And there's also something to be said about traumatic experiences for people in authority, not realizing sometimes what they're doing. I'm not saying that's the instance here, but it's, it's just, it's very tunnel vision. It's very tunnel vision. There's so much more to like look at. And unless you understand people's pain and emotion, like it's really hard to open your eyes to all of that. Yeah, so maybe textbooks in the future become like digital, and you can like download, and they can categorize all this crap. So maybe maybe Facebook or video because you have you've 
Like, yeah. think about how much more video oh, we video. have to capture. Which capture you can video as well. Yesterday. Yeah. So, Lots like, you're no longer right. capturing, like, a picture. Yeah. Like, you, like, everybody has access to video now. And that's probably why we have a lot of the, you know, the problems that we may have. Maybe we always had the problems. We're but we're, 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 like, we're discovering yeah, yeah. this because the yeah. it's available to everyone. As before, yeah. it was just, like, someone's anecdotal evidence or someone's voice had to be large enough to like reach all of that. And I'll put it in perspective real quick, just for the listeners. Like in 1918, when the Spanish flu came out, like you had no idea there was a Spanish flu until it hits your town. And then it like obliterated, you know, you're, you're obliterated your town. Right. Whereas now we were so hyper worried about like one or two cases or a couple thousand cases or whatever that we were, we were hyper focused probably way too soon than we should have been mm. on that. Because information travels so fast and you can reach out directly. But then you That's why it's called the Spanish flu, though. You know that, right? Because Spain was the only people that were reporting on it. Yeah. So it became the Spanish flu. They were the only people that were, like, collectively trying to, like, you know, ex- not, a, I don't know what the word is, but, like, they were trying to, like, bring attention to the flu or the sickness. All the other countries were just taking it on the chin. Spain, Spain didn't really get impacted as harshly as some of the, I had to choose my words typically because they, they took a hit, but there were other areas that were impacted more negatively, perhaps because there wasn't like, think about how poor communication was back then. Like we, that's, that's we get in arguments saying. over misinformation and we have all the information. And we, yeah. And we get arguments <laughs> like one hour or something. Problem, we have, it's almost too much information. To it process. is. Could you imagine back then in the Spanish we'll be like, screw your mask. I, it's a fake sickness. Yeah. Be like, dude, that guy's dying right there. Like, yeah, yeah it was, that's what I'm saying. Like at the moment it, you believed it because you saw it. Mm. And now we're, we're almost like forced to believe things we don't see. And the question is what we do see on these platforms, is it true or is it doctored? Mm. Is it, unless you're like yourself who actually goes and does your work directly with what's going on, there's definitely in play a problem. And I think it's going to have to get addressed or society will naturally address it. That info on social media platforms could be completely misconstrued by people wanting to push an agenda and I think we're all becoming very, I think very we're, I aware think, of that. Oh right yeah, now. I think for sure. Like some, some have been aware a lot longer, mm-hmm. but I think we call that woke. True. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's called wokeness. Yeah, but uh, when I think of wokeness, I think of like far left. Like I'm woke. I'm all right, yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> I see both. Yeah. Sides, yeah, I dude, I love when woke came out. Dude, my wife hated that. Dude, she's like hear it at work and stuff. I'd be like, yeah, and I would abuse the, it. The problem is people try to categorize somebody in something. Like you're left or right, you're you're conservative or liberal. Like, but you like, like, I kind of wish there were m- more opportunities to not be right or left or yeah. blue or red. For sure. Like I really, I'm an individual. I don't need to be categorized. I don't. I don't find myself aligned with either party at all do you think that's going to change the political system in the next maybe decade or so i would i really hope so like a higher running individual candidate instead of just a republican democrat because i know there are other parties but they never really i think we're going to get categories that just need to be common sense yeah i think with social media like if it hasn't happened already the the roadmap for an independent is like Every day we're getting closer to that because social media, like now we can like, um, like nobody knew who this George guy was. 
I mean, unfortunately had to die for something to change. Like that's what, like when I say like, um, like I caught some heat for being like, you could choose to be negative or choose to be positive. And it is a fucking choice. I don't care. Anybody comes at my throat. I will fight them. You can wake up like, yes, that man's life. It was a horrible loss, but what are the positives? We now have an incredible movement. Mm -hmm. We have people that, you know, didn't have, didn't, weren't clear on these situations now being like, we're with you. We hear you. Like that didn't exist. To be honest, after this, after I went to Asbury, this opened my eyes to the most extreme that I've ever seen before. Like it really opened my eyes to these people's kind of pain going to seeing them in like in real life. This one photo I took in particular, this, this gentleman holding his newborn baby Mm. that really like it hit me hard because this guy is there for his baby for Mm. his future. That was why he was there. And I, I, it really opened my eyes, this, that whole experience to what they were feeling. Yeah. I think the next step will be, um, someone needs, like everybody is, is, is doing a great job telling everybody else how upset everyone is. But the next movement that we will require is for someone to step up and propose solutions because we can stand yeah. around and chop each other up in the street all we want. But if we don't have like a cr- clear direction, like a lighthouse decision where everybody's like, that's where we need to head. And everybody walks collectively in that direction because we have no clear lighthouse to go towards right now. Everybody's just mad at each other. Yeah. Somebody like, and I don't know who that person is. I don't know. Okay. I hope it's Joe Rogan. Yeah, uh, um, that Spotify deal, by the way. Ooh. Big deal. You can listen to yeah halfway through the year and then it goes away completely and he's hundred millionaire overnight. He's totally off of YouTube. But uh is there a solution? I mean they've um, been trying to fix it for two hundred years. So here's years. here's my here's my take on it. Like Or is there like Yeah, go ahead, sorry. There's an ebb and flow to the level people get upset in our country. Not just surrounding the race um conversation. Um it in my opinion, there has never been a greater time to be an American mm. or live on this planet. I mean, I feel that with technology and opportunity. In general. There are statistically like m- less people die in conflict a year now on the planet we live on Earth than ever before in the history of the planet. Like if you look at the data between from like. I think I looked all the way back to like the Crusades and you look at like how many people die in conflict is like the standard, like war, riots, fa- like, like, a, like any sort of like situation like that. Um, it's never been safer. And I think that fundamentally, like I do agree that we do need to make change with like the police and all that. Like you can't, I don't know that you can, I think everybody agrees upon these things now. Um, but if you don't like examine the fact that we are all so goddamn safe now, like perhaps we need to take a step back and appreciate that and then be like, okay, now that we actually understand how safe it is, cause people like to paint how, how bad it is. And it just isn't, it's like, they're searching for it. Like when this terrible situation happened, people were posting up fake evidence that this man was a racist and like. Like, I don't know enough about all that to say he was or wasn't, but it's like, okay, like somebody feels the need to like make a fake picture to stir people up because people don't have enough conflict in their life. Like it almost look, it's almost like we, you know, hopefully the positives from this that we see change, but like it, it's like we had everybody trapped inside 
lost took, it, took it, away their jobs. Took away their jobs. I think that was part of the problem too. And then you had all these people trapped that. inside, and you just it was like a it was like a pressure cooker. Yeah. And then you threw a problem back to back weeks. We had a, a police or a like a a conflict like that, and it's like okay, well, boom. You just you just threw a, a a match at a closed gas canister. Like you can't really like. Yeah, I think I'm not surprised by a lot of what happened. No, and I th- the I, I think that the the shutdown has taken its toll more than everyone realizes because it's really hard to report the impoverished. Like I was driving down to North Philly today, I had to go check on a property, and I kind of took a little detour down. Washington Lane in Stenton, which is, you know, it's part of the city where you got a lot of working, um, low income class people. And there was a line around a food bank. It was the line had to be, a, it went around the whole block, right? A massive city block. And it's like, wow, that line's probably there open to close every day. And some days like the person at the end of the line may not actually get the food and he has to come back. And so it's like, okay. And then you, as you're driving down those commercial corridors, sign after sign that says store for rent, store for rent store for rent it's like and and then you and then you throw on top of that an excuse for i I don't even know if it's an excuse like i may venture off down the path here and you're gonna i'm not i I think that people are so desperate to try to figure out how to feed their families and 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 earn a living that sometimes the only way they can do it possibly is through insane change chaos or violence or stealing stuff like i i don't know because you look at a lot of the looting yeah there's looting of stores and shoe stores i feel i feel where you're going with this Uh, maybe maybe they should show like people looting grocery stores a little more because that's happening too and they're looting pharmacies and they're looting and they're probably looting pharmacies sell drugs and shit but like maybe there is a little bit of pain that is showing, and I'm not saying looting's good. Looting is terrible, and if someone was looting my store, I would definitely protect it. But maybe it's just a symptom of the problem, and the, and that we're not seeing the true problem because it hasn't exposed itself yet, but it is exposing itself now. Um, that's so true. Like so that. I don't know. Like that's an, that's an that's not. I don't think that's a wrong take. I think people. I, I think what people are making a a firm firm mistake on is generalizing all of the situations yeah. it's like okay we're gonna put our black post up on our instagram because we stand with you and it's like some of these people were messaging me yesterday just like just like trying to light it up and i'm like what do you do with your time do you donate your time yeah. do you do do you do anything proactive with charity do you give back to your church do you belong like and the answer is almost always you're blocked and it's yeah. like, because the answer is no, you are not. You are now taking this stance, but you are doing, you, your actions don't correlate with your words. And that's what's yeah. really going to be the solution here is time. Not to bring it back full circle, but like, the, like words aren't going to fix this. Like no person in this country has the power, aside from maybe Joe Rogan, <laughs> to or go. D- Dave Portnoy. Or like, True. yeah, okay. <laughs> right. To stand up. And be like, look, this is what's up. We're going to do this. And, like, people will leave. Oh, man, I feel better at that. But, like, everybody else now has to realize that, like, the only way to make everyone that's upset feel better, stop fucking posting your black screenshots. Like, I understand what you're doing, but, like, actually physically do do something. something. And, like, you're talking about these people standing around the food bank. Like, 
give back to a food bank. There's clearly people that need it. Like, no, they didn't capture any photography of people robbing grocery stores, but I know the fact it was happening. I've like heard about it. Like what anybody that's listening to this, if you're, if you're thinking to yourself, what situation or what position would I have to be in to go loot a grocery store or loot target? Like you're probably like, okay, like some people stole some material things, but the whole target was cleaned out. And there's a lot of food in Target. A lot of clothes. Too. And there's a lot, a lot of, clothes. of clothes. And it's not all and bling bling and video clothes. games and summer, TVs. Like and summer clothes. Pencils, summer clothes. All that stuff. Dude, it's not all TVs. I think some people stole TVs, but there was only so many TVs there. If the whole store's empty, where'd all the food go? Yeah. People didn't show up to be like, oh, we came here for a 70-inch. Let's steal some food. No, they showed up for the food. Yeah. And that's yeah. what's not being shown. It's nah. just showing, like, these terrible people are stealing TVs. It's like... And now we're entering what seems to be the most divisive state of affairs that this country's been in since either the Civil War or the Revolutionary War. Um, I mean, you have a president that went on yesterday that, and again, this is venturing you know, into the unknown chartered because going back to being politically correct, I think being politically correct actually causes more problems than it cures, right? When you censor people and don't let them actually speak their opinions and their emotions how they want to, then you just basically censor. And so people are self-censoring themselves too much, and it's not getting out. So what I'll say is, like, look, um, I lean right on my politics, but having a president go up yesterday and intentionally clear out peaceful protesters in D.C. because he wanted a photo in front of the church that was burned with the Bible, the only, I mean, all that did was piss off a 1,000 protesters they're shooting tear gas into them to move them, and they move those people quick. I don't know if anyone was watching the footage of that. They moved a thousand people back four blocks in D.C. in about five minutes. You could barely walk that fast. People were running from what you know from them. They were running, I guess, for their safety or their lives because they were literally just peppering them with tear gas and rubber bullets. And your question was, that was all done for his speech, and his speech I think was very. Was it really? I didn't follow any of that. Uh, It's 100% what happened. And so they're like, and then at the end, they're like, oh, he cleared out that area because he had to clear it out. The president's going to go across the street to St. John's Church, and he had to clear out a certain perimeter, and that's what they did. But they made it look like, because he delayed his speech. He was supposed to go on at 6.15, so everybody tuned into the news. He he then tweeted out 6.30. So everyone's watching the news. They're watching this happen, and then he throws probably one of the most aggressive speeches together of taking a stance that a president's done. I'm not saying it was, was it ro- like off the cuff or did he like speak? Oh from no, this was speech written for sure. It was, this is monotone. Trump. Did you see it? I did not. This is monotone Trump. I know he, about it. He pretty much said, I'm the president of law and order. Well, he did say I'm the president of law and order. And then I'm going to evoke the 1807, uh, whatever it was riot act or whatever, where he can, he can deploy the U S army, not the national guard, but the U S army into the United States. If these cities, what they said, don't clean up their act and stop the violence immediately, which he pretty much, in my opinion, said you have to stop the protests immediately. Hmm. And when you look at all those things that are coming together, I understand what he said and why he did, but I think he did. He used a moment in history for, to solidify his base for November rather than, not being more divisive. He would have been better off just not saying something on TV and letting it hand out now. So from that, and he may not have these intended consequences, but from that, now you got governor saying like, you're not coming into my state. And then now they're going back and forth, creating this, this thing. And now then all of a sudden the news media switched 
Fox News started showing more riots and protests. CNN and MSNBC went to their talk shows and didn't show a whole lot. And the only thing they would show was peaceful protests. Whereas the previous four nights, they're all they're all showing equal coverage of the violent violence that was happening. It was destroying. It was disgusting. Like it was horrible. What was happening in the cities? But you could see a line after that speech of now the narratives of the directions that they've chosen to go. What you're saying, the media outlets have all chosen the same path now? No. Like CNN and MSNBC, the left have chosen a path to not show any violence, to say that all these protests are peaceful, and that because they they started firing tear gas into a peaceful protest to move them because of Trump, um, they're using that, like, to say like that's that and the words like Fox is now like showing more and more violence, which they weren't before they were trying to like, you know, mm. so it's just, they've taken, again, they've taken an issue that shouldn't be politicized. That should be talked about solution. And they completely, both sides have completely polarized the country. Once that's again. why we need, like, that's why I get so discouraged like with the voting and the Republicans and Democrats. It's cause like, well, I don't really like how you guys do this stuff. But I can't, I can't choose, like, I can't choose the moderate party that's like, hey, look, like, th- like there's a center line that I'm pretty sure we could get if somebody, like, got that, that, like, you could capture 90% of the people in this country. I think you could capture a lot of us and, like, a lot of, and if you if it's call it the Constitution Party or whatever you want to call it, like, you focus on the rights of people. Like him going to that church, he could have easily said earlier in the day, "Hey, that, look, hey, we're not going to the church. We're, we're not going do to do it here." Or he could have said, "I am going to the church at this time. We're going to clear out this." So at least the protesters understand what was going on. But they shocked them. They didn't tell them they were clearing them out because of that. They they cleared them out, and it was all on TV because he delayed his speech until they were cleared. Then he goes on TV. You guys should watch the speech. Oh, I'm going to him. I'm going to watch it. As opposed yeah. to that, then Biden comes out and has a speech like like Obama would have given, like the great orator that Obama mm-hmm. was. Now, may not agree with most of his politics, but he, he was a good speaker. He gave a great speech today that was very well written. And is this very Biden? Biden today. I watched it as I was driving up to one of our job sites in the middle of nowhere. Um, and you, you just start to see, like, them molding the message, and it's like people are just... Every, like, right-wing person that listened to the media was like, yeah, please state. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. That just flipped on its edge. The right's always been against the police state. But now they're saying, like, they want to lock down with National Guard every single city. And it's like, wait a minute. That's why I don't. That that's why complete, I can't agree with them. That is complete verse. And you start to see it today. you got a lot of people like, look. Corona, with coronavirus a couple weeks ago, everybody was like, all the right wingers were like, "No police state." That is this. Liberals were like, ah, da, da, da. and now the liberals are like, "No police state," and the conservatives are like, "Police state." I'm like, "You guys just flip flopped again." How can toying, I side with either? They're of you? just toying <laughs> with our minds, and it's it's causing problems. Like it's causing people to have like problems. What um, would you say? I don't know. That was like. What would you say? That was your my observation yesterday? Because <laughs> Andrew's always like, "Like I gotta take a break," but I like watching on a consistent basis, certain things, because I can start to see trends happening Mm -hmm. and I can start. And I just, now that we have this podcast, we have a platform to like start to call some of this shit out that we see in our eyes. Like, look, man, that was completely wrong. Like how that went down. And now everything's like flipped. And now it's like, bring in the army. That's what like, I will, I will say I do like to take breaks Mm -hmm. from social media. Like the whole thing, I ghost out. Like I just drop off the face and I do it. I do it once a day, maybe once every other day at like 8 p.m. I just like, 
I just like stop. Like if he'll, like John has me up for something, I'll respond. But like, I take that time just to like, I feel like I'm getting bombarded with images and information, information yeah. and like not only social media, it's in our, like we run our business very aggressively, um, which takes a toll on us day to day. Like in terms of like the end of the day, like there's days where we're just looking at each other, like can't talk. We're looking at each other in here exhausted and we're like, what are we still doing? Like, we haven't said anything to each other in, like, 15 minutes. You're just looking at me. Like, we did that the other <laughs> night. You're like, John's like, I guess it's time to go home. And I'm like. Pressure hey. went home 20 minutes yeah. ago. Yeah, I was like, uh, damn. I was like, we ran out of, we're just exhausted here. But do you have any plans to, like, capture any more of what's going on? Uh, if th- I do. Um, depending on if there's anything more in New York City, I'd love to go to New York. Mm. Um, I'd like to go again. Um, but yeah, if anything pops up, I, I'm always down to document history. How close would you, like, say you, you went and you were taking pictures and shit popped off. Mm-hmm. Would you hang out? So this is something that my mom asked me to. I she know she the did. Same exact question. She said, um, if something happened, would, you're going to come home, right? I said, I need, I can't answer that until I'm there and mm. I'm experiencing it because yeah. I need to, I really need to understand the balance between the risk versus what I'm going to get out of that risk pretty much. Um, meaning the type of photos and the message that I'm going to get from that. If it gets to a point where I am fearing for my life, then no, I'm not going to be there. Mm. But if I can manage that risk and kind of stay behind this, that also comes down to the lens too. I'm away from people a lot of the times. Mm. I'm kind of just sniping in the background. Um, yeah, you also have to know like how you're going to react to that situation yeah. too. Too. Like, if you get in a life and death situation and you're super calm about it and you can, like, orient yourself mm-hmm. and you can strategically think about your moves mm-hmm. and position yourself to where you're not in danger, like, you don't really know how that's going to be. That's what I'm saying. I can't answer that until yeah. I'm the in Uda that loop. situation. Oodle, you got to Uda it. Uda. I don't even know what that means. So there's a, a I think what you say Uda? Uda loop. Uda loop. It's O-O-D-A. People can look it up. The Uda loop is essentially like your situational awareness levels. Okay. It's taught by like a military special forces generals. I think he wrote it in the 80s. It's ultimately like the levels of like, you're this far, the threat's this far away from me is the first level. This like, and then the final level is like, you need to take someone's life in order to it, preserve your own. What it stands for, I think it's, you have to, you have to observe, orient, decide, act. Mm. So you constantly, your OODA loop is constantly going. And so then once you act, then you have to orient, observe, decide, act. And if you can maintain your own OODA loop where you're effectively always observing, always observing and your, your, your actions are happening, then you've become above the situation and can control the outcome in your mind. But if you get lost in someone else's action or you get stuck at observing or you get stuck at and you can't get out to where you're making decisions for yourself whether your decisions are right or wrong that'll you know that's one thing that's you know but you got to be able to maintain your own actionable uh, you know things so yeah that's pretty much so yeah if you can like maintain your own oodle loop and you can figure out how to be safe and all that um because i do think it's important to document that part of the protests as well um it's just i Again, in the situation, I need to determine if it's risking my life. What makes you want to go to New York? Um, I personally love New York. I go there all the time. Uh, I grew up going to New York with my dad. Um, And seeing what's going on there with just the amount of people that are there and the locations, just the the beauty of New York, um, 
So it's backdrop general. as well as like the, the, the exactly as the a photographer, as a photographer that is always in my head. Um, to, like um, among the fact of why they're there, like the the purpose of the protest as a photographer, that is a beautiful scene. No matter where you go in New York, it's pretty beautiful. Mm. Um, and capturing what's happening plus New York in the background is always iconic in a way. Because you could probably capture like something, like you know, like the Freedom Memorial, and you could crap, capture someone's struggle, yeah. like, in front, like, so it's, like, you're tying in, like, multiple layers of emotion. Exactly. There's a lot, there. There's, There's a lot of history there. There's a lot of history powerful. in New York. Yeah. What do you, what yeah. do you guys think that this, do you think it's going to continue to escalate? I think for a little bit. Yeah, I for sure. it's going to get worse before it gets better, for sure. I mean, I the, next, so. the next escalation, I think, is, like, I mean, they're already throwing things at each other. Mm-hmm. And you started to see it the last couple nights, but if they start shooting each other, with real guns, it's gonna be a big problem. we're going to have a big problem on our hands. Big like problem. a big, big problem. Because that's only going to incite foreign fighters coming into the United States and causing fuck up some shit, right? It's going to happen. I would say they've probably been here since the last election. Yeah. But, 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 but this gives them an opportunity to go into chaos, which they do probably better at. So hopefully... <laughs> guns stay out of it because if if protesters start shooting or i, I guess they wouldn't be protesters Th- at that point they would be whatever you want to call them rioters yeah. Yeah, yeah. if they start shooting and the police start shooting back and killing because the police are trained they're probably not trained they're going to start killing people and then it's going to have the horrible optics of dude you know what my neighbor's a cop he has a family he's got to go out there and like defend and he is one not for like you know it's like he, he him and i have long conversations about what happened and that some cops just like some humans make mistakes and they make really bad choices. And when you make a really bad choice in life, even though you're not law enforcement, you go to jail, right? If you may, if you kill somebody, you go to jail. So instead of saying this cop killed somebody, it's like this person, this person, yeah. this person killed somebody. It's not necessarily like it's a lot of labels going, it's around. a lot of labels going on. So he's like, but well, there's like, you have people like Chris rock, you know, a lot of people are taking a joke he made out of context and like putting it up on a meme and saying like Chris Rock's joke is like what he spoke as as law. And it was like in reference to like, well, like some jobs you can't have bad apples. And it's yeah. like, okay, yes. That goes back to idealism versus realism. Realistically, yes, you wouldn't want bad apples. So maybe that's something, you know, in policy, in like solution proposing, like maybe we say, hey, we need to raise the restrictions on or raise the requirements or do some sort of vetting process on like how you make decisions or like maybe we dig a little deeper. I think it comes down to training. A lot of these cops that I know have no ground game. Ground game meaning they've never taken a day of wrestling training, jujitsu mm-hmm. training, physical training. And when I see them put hands on another person... They don't know what they're doing. They're terrified. Yeah. And I swear to God, if someone puts hands on me and I put hands on them, I can feel their energy. And if I know, if I can, if I can determine your energy is less than mine or this, like, I know I'm going to win this fight. But if I, if you put hands on me and I know you're scared shitless and you also have a gun on your hip and you like, you're, you're not going to go, you're not going to try and wrestle with me because you have zero training. You're going for your gun and you're going to execute the threat. But if, say, like, hey, and I'm not saying anybody should be putting hands on people, but, like, say it does get physical, you don't have the confidence to stay calm and be like, all right, this is, this is, 
you know, they move there. I'm going to print this art like there you. And that only comes with putting hours in on physical training. And I don't know how to like how that improves. I wonder if that would improve things where it, if someone put hands on and you should never put hands on a, a law enforcement cop, like because their first instinct is going to be taser That's or right. gun. It's break, break distance, draw and fire. Yeah. So maybe if they had an option in between that where force was met with force, like obviously if someone draws their gun, you're drawing and shooting. Mm -hmm. But maybe if there's an option in between where the guy you know is unarmed because you just patted him down, maybe the option is you just become a badass martial arts guy or whatever you want to call it, ground game, and you're able to wrestle him down effectively and get him to pretty much tap out. Or, or, Or... People say that, like, oh, no, that's not the way either. And I'm like, okay, I could argue to say that you would much rather, you know, have, you know, an arm bar put on you or maybe, you know what I'm saying? And that comes down with the choking, too. Like, when I put somebody in a chokehold, I know what's going on. Yeah. I, like, I have that, I have repetitions. These people are putting people in a chokehold and holding it. I'm like, oh, you, you don't the that guy tapped out when yeah. he died ten minutes ago. You're still holding him. <laughs> it's 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 a it's really appalling. And like one of the things like regarding like the whole violence things, like I really I really hope one of the one I don't think there's sides because there's so many different varying like opinions or viewpoints or you know experiences that like are going into this. But like someone's gonna need to step up and be like, all right we're in peace mode now we're ready to move this forward because violence only gets begets more violence like say you're in the army rangers and you're rolling into this village and you find out that like you know in hut number one is a suspected terrorist and you roll into hut number one he raises up his ak and you just bop 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 drop him in front of his two sons who are 12 and 14 you just created two more terrorists so like you see in the military, like Green Beret Special Forces, which is Green Beret Special Forces was one word for clear clarity. That's not good. Army Ranger technically. Here. Yeah, it's you see them. They go into places. They create relationships, or at least they try. They stop wearing the uniforms because you know if we're not all in the same uniforms, there is no establishment. You see me more as a human. Um, we learn your language. You learn your the. The culture. culture, the the village, ma- the village, you know, whoever's in charge in that territory, like you engage him, you help him dig water, you help them procure supplies, like stuff like that. So you build that relationship. So when the bad guys do show up, they just quick pull up the phone you just gave them, and they're just like, the bad guys are here, come get them. So you don't go in and you're not making waves and creating like this, like it's like throwing a rock into the yeah, water. I it I just like there's ripples out tactics that we learned in some of the recent wars that we've had. That could be applied to some of these uh, tougher neighborhoods that have a lot more violence, and that you could train them just like that. Like, well, Rudy G- Giuliani like employed some of those tactics back when he was yeah. in charge. Not that he did everything he, great. He called the Blasio on live TV stupid and an <laughs> idiot. Like he's like the reporters. I don't remember what channel. He's, she's like, "What do you think? What do you think the Blasio needs to do at this point?" He's like, "He's too stupid." to know what to do he's an idiot like <laughs> on national television it's like funny. whoa but yeah giuliani was i you know i don't know the facts but I, I guess what he's just saying is like he used to get put twice as many cops into the neighborhoods because he could have 
And I guess this is why you see the National Guard in the cities, because you still have the National Guard protecting City Hall. But then the cops can go back to doing patrolling. Mm. And so his thing was, like, in New York, he would put double the people. So you could still have the cops patrolling, but you'd also have the cops now embedded with the kids, talking to them, figuring out what's going on, try to, like, sort out the bad apples. And he cleaned up New York very quickly. Like, I think he was second-generation mayor that was doing it. But now New York's gone back, has reversed itself. Yeah, it's definitely re- it's definitely regressed. I would like to see, you know, maybe a mini movement going forward because everybody, you know, mentions how like we can't have bad apples. We can't afford to have bad apples as police. Got to figure out how to deal with them. But what are what are we doing for like the great police, mm-hmm. like the police that are great? That's what I'm saying. We never hear about them. We never find out about them. They never get appreciated unless they like lose yeah. their life. And they're in grave danger right now. And I mean, they're in they're, grave danger right now. They're that, targets. That, you know, yeah, you can't afford bad apples and there are bad apples. But, like, what are the, like, you can't, like, it's really not fair for anyone involved to blanket statement the Black Lives Matters and, te- like, there's so much going on here. And everybody's taking, like, this side or that side. And, like, I've had people call me up and be like, why haven't you blacked out your Instagram screen? And I'm like, look, like, I'm going to, like, I literally had someone call me about that today. And I'm like, look, man, like, I understand what you're doing. Everybody's trying to be quiet today. I'm being quiet. You don't see me, you know, trying to be extra funny like an idiot. Like, I'm sorry. Like, everybody's being quiet because they're trying to, like, create the solidarity. But, like, the shit just happened. It's hardly the time to be quiet. It's kind of like somebody needs to speak up. saying no. Some people need to speak up and be like, start proposing some fucking solutions before it gets even more out of hand. Because it's like, okay, we're going to, like, we're being silent today and everybody's posting up these nice black pictures, but there's still riots going on. There's still protests going on. There's still people stealing food from grocery stores. And, like, your black black square on Instagram didn't do shit for any of those people. So stop being so fucking virtue signaling. It's getting worse. I mean, the economy only, you know, you have... Every metropolitan in the country basically shut down right now. Like Philly shut down, New York shut down. They were shut. They were shut down before, but now everyone shut down. Like Pico, not doing anything other than emergency repairs in Philadelphia right now until further notice. And it's, and that's I guess that's kind of what the president was saying. Like we have to get these cities back to work, or else the problem gets worse. Yeah, but he should have done. And I still haven't seen the speech, obviously, but you know. He should have done a clear job or like, and people are like, well, it's not about the money. It's not like, but people are stealing food from grocery stores. Like it kind of comes down to the money and like getting people back to like the action of things. Oh man, I just, you got other countries probably looking at the fence like, hey guys, you guys okay over there? Like what's going on? And we America? have other people, like I see people I follow in Australia or like Europe being like, these lives matter. Like we're plucking it. Like I'm like. Do you guys have the same problem going on? They, in you know country? what they do? It's not a race thing. I think it's a. I think it's an income class thing. What do you mean? I, I think that we're. So if you made everybody purple, if everyone was purple, you would have the same problems. You'd still have ghettos. You'd still have poor neighborhoods. You'd still have the same thing going on. You would still have the poorer people feeling like the oppressed. The oppressed. Yeah. The p- perfect word. Feeling like the authority is tarnishing them or hurting them more than the others even though stats may say otherwise so i think take race out of it you have other countries that have just said fuck it we're gonna put all the poor people in a ghetto all of them look at you know look at brazil they they 
they fence them off, and they're they have no more room. They're just building up a steep mountain. They have no more. Yeah, in the favelas. They the favelas, have they have yeah. ten homes stacked on top of each other because they, they they don't give them any more room to be. You have other countries. Um, and that's oh such man, a beautiful I f- place. I forgot, I, it's gorgeous. You th- see th- all the favelas on the on the hill. Yeah. Like there's this beautiful city, and then like the funny thing about that of Buenos Aires is. Like, if that city were any fucking place in America, that hillside would be covered in mansions. Right. But they gave them the worst land to build homes on. There's that other story where that guy walked from, like, China all the way down to wherever. But he said he would pass this home in what used to be, like, Genghis Kong area. Somewhere in, like, Mongolia or whatever. And Genghis Khan's old territory. But, like... You had millions of people living outside the city limits because they wouldn't let them in mm. in tents. Millions yeah. of people in a tent city with no running water or whatever. So the problem is in every country, in every part of the world, it's not a race problem. It is a poor problem. We have a problem in the world with a lot of people not having anywhere to go. And in America, it comes out in the black community more than not. That's my take. Yeah, I think there's also... Um, history that goes along with our country, yeah, that you know plays into the perception of the perception of that, which you know, I I don't know enough about to yeah, to comment on complete speculation, but yeah, you can't make a, I mean, you got to have people just having thoughts now and just speaking and stop being so politically correct, so we can all figure this the fuck out. Or else, or just start helping people for real, for real. Like if you actually lend a hand to someone, I like I I know I I harp on that so much, but like I don't I don't feel like people understand when I'm saying like the better you help people or the the, m- the more skilled you are at it, you write your own ticket. It's not always about making money and everything like that, but like if you are the guy in the community that's seen as like the one that takes care of everybody. What do you got to worry about? That's why cartel leaders do so, so well. Mm-hmm. You're just helping people out, right? Yeah. I mean, look at look at like you know you have you have drug kingpins. I guess that's what you call them in America. You have cartel leaders in Mexico, and you have mobsters in not, Russia. Yeah, not not everybody that's underneath those people are unhappy. They they make them safe. They give them money. Mm. They protect their families. Do you have any cool trips planned? Like um, obviously domestically. Yeah, I, I'm taking. I'm going with my girlfriend up to Maine next week. We're going uh, probably visit Acadia National Park. I've been up there before, and it's really beautiful. So that's, I, I wanted to take her. That's one of my goals for this year as well. Go I'm thinking Maine. about. Yeah, I'm thinking about getting. Uh, like I really like talk about all the time. I want to get like a Lexus SUV mm-hmm. and uh, like build it into like a, a roof tent off road. Like those things. My truck. Someone down my block has one of those like customized campers yeah oh, it's badass yes i badass. i i wanted it before but now like the whole corona and not flying overseas everything has definitely accelerated my plans mm-hmm. to uh america's huge road trip like oh, we have america everything here i'll just have to drive four, there. what is there like 40 some national parks i have no idea. i did a cross-country road trip a couple years ago with a few of my friends and the beauty that america has that a lot of people don't take advantage of is just astonishing <laughs> I wonder what stats of people haven't left like two or or even five I, I hours I from their home, six s- hours I from their home. I saw something about this. Um, I'm not. I, I don't think I can give an exact, but it was something like most people don't leave or don't visit more than six states. 
four to six states in their lifetime. That gives me anxiety. That's insane. When you drive across the country, and I've done it three times, two for a move, one for going to party out because I've come from the West. When you drive across the plains of the country and you see like a house every hour and a half mm-hmm. on the road, you're like, whoa, that guy has a different life than me. Completely. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. like no, it's he, true. He, for, he, for he, sure. He's not worried about any of this. He's not worried about coronavirus. We were in Nebraska. Nebraska is in that whole lifestyle is just eye-opening and completely different than you, anything that you, we're used to. You are to. working on a farm? Oh, yeah. And Nebraska State, I think it is, or, or it's just in the middle of a field. Mm-hmm. It is in the it, or Kansas State. It's in the middle. It's in the middle of like the central part of the where all the farm boys go for school, and it's and then you get to, you know, you you leave the northeast is so much denser than the rest of the country. Other than not even California is as dense as the northeast. The northeast is incredibly dense, and you make your way across and you go through like the Appalachians mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. And then you get on the other side of the Appalachians, you go into like industrial steel part, and then you run from there into like farmland. And then you start to see, like, the Rockies coming out of nowhere. And then hours and hours and hours and hours later, you, like, finally reach them. Um, but every part, like, even South Dakota, North Dakota, which people wouldn't think would be, like, a great destination, have just amazing, like, ecosystems and towns and just, like, spots. And then you go out west, you get to, like, you know, the Rocky Mountains up Rocky and Mountains down. Rocky Mountains are beautiful. It's go- gorgeous. gorgeous. And then you get on the other you side. You snowboard, right? Uh, I, yeah, a little bit. You can. I don't want to consider myself a snowboarder, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I can. Yes. You fall down the hill. I can get down, yeah. but I'm not like, I can't do crazy tricks. You're yet. not showing white. No, definitely That's not. fine. We, <laughs> nobody. Definitely is. not. <laughs> you I, always like hear about that one guy who's like, oh, yeah, I snowboard. And then you like, you go snowboarding with them and you're like, oh, a, you don't snowboard at exactly, all. That's exactly why I said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to over. If you start to overemphasize how good you are at something to people our age, we'll just be like, all right, let's go. Exactly. And then let's go. And then all of a sudden, you like you end up on top of a mountain. Fuck. Yeah, like, that's why. Like most of the stuff that I'm good at, I just like keep close to the chest. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want anybody calling me out. Drew, uh, my our buddy Drew, he went out to Big Sky in Montana to ski, and he's like, "Where do you go, man? Like, where do you want to go?" And so I sent him up to the top. He's like, you know, we got there like five lifts later. <laughs> and, by to- and by the time he got up to the top, he said a massive snowstorm came in. and They couldn't see anything. And he's skiing off this like massive peak at 11,000 feet. And he couldn't see anything. And, you know, that's just one. Is of this the- Rico? Yeah. Dude, I sent him up there. He spent like two weeks out there like dream vacation. Yeah. But, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. What do you like? What is Corona diet? Like, were you like a very like. Or regimented person before, like the whole shutdown or anything. Like I know you're, you're like a photographer, but like you're still a business owner. You might yeah, keep some very, sort of schedule. Yeah, I have. A, I try to keep myself at a very strict ish schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, just as far as my day, I get up very early. I kind of give myself an hour or two to get my personal things done. Um, just like read, work out a little bit, um, stretch. I love stretching, yoga, all that stuff. And then by like nine o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock, I'm ready to kind of start my day. Um, but as far as before I was, I'm pretty much doing the same thing. Mm. Um, but besides the work aspect, I kind of transferred that over to working at home, creating more stuff at home. Um, cause on my Instagram or my YouTube and stuff, you'll see that I am trying to do more YouTube stuff, but as well, I'm trying to create more, I guess I'm just trying to practice cinematography more. Yeah. Um, like I'll just walk around my house and I'll find different corners of the room i'll find different things and if the light from the outside is going through something i'll, I'll try to create a little scene from it 
Um, and I'll just do that all over my house sometimes, outside. And I'll just go to the beach sometimes with my friends, shoot, just keep practicing. Yeah. But I'm never not doing something but, for this. But you like it. Like, you have the cinematography and you like it. You're it's fascinated. A huge You're fascinated um, by it. It's some, like, the way I've described it to people is I've never had an obsession like this before. I've obsessed over things that I've done before, but nothing like this. I'm pra- practice obsessions. I'm consumed by it. All, like I, I listen to podcasts. Ninety nine percent of it is cinematography, film directing, whatever it is. I'm just, I can't stop wanting to learn more about it because I'm not where I want to be. So how can I stop learning about it? Even though this craft is, you're never gonna not stop learning. There's oh, like the highest cinematographer in the world, it's always learning. learning, no matter probably, what. It's probably Which the is highest like, cinematographer in the world. It's exactly right. right. It's exactly <laughs> he right. Because, because he kept learning, and he yeah. wasn't afraid of the new technology that's coming out. He's yeah. not stagnant in what happened in 1980 and all of that technology. He's continually evolving and learning. You know those guys that are like, sound is the, you know sound is always better on vinyl. Do you think that's true, or do you think they say that because they understand and they feel cool when they say that? I think it's both. I think vinyl right now has a huge market for like the hipster kind of p- kids but um i don't yeah you know what i mean <laughs> I like, have don't look at me man i listened, I I listened to that on the vinyl it's like what yeah i don't know i don't i have a vinyl i i enjoy it but i mean i just i like to put my headphones in too you know it's i got I a drone know. because of this guy did you oh yeah that's right you i crashed the first one the because second of and third one well okay wait how many, you crashed two i've crashed the drones yes <laughs> We're on Skyhawk 3. Can I hear how? <laughs> yeah, in the trees. Uh, once in the house. No, oh, yeah, once we inside had the, a house. We had the yeah. great idea of flying the thing in the house. I, the, in the a video, finished fucking house. The like video the that da- I did for you, I flew the drone in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. He flew it into a wall and smashed into the wall. It was John's idea. Wall. My, oh, co-pi- yeah. <laughs> my co-pilot led me inside. The painters were there, so it was okay. Yeah, they touched they took it care. Off. He literally, like, I crashed it, and the painter looked at me, and then fixed it. <laughs> and then I was like, "Sorry, dude, I'm a fucking asshole." <laughs> it was so stupid. I don't know why. I mean, I flew it. They're Turkish. They're like stupid Americans. Oh my god. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, so what happened was, um, I started taking social media more seriously. I've always kind of like thought I liked photography, but never like I was always running in so many different directions, and I never really like did that much with it and then yeah, i see you doing a lot more with it on your instagram yeah the architecture school just beat photography into me mm-hmm. um and then i got really really into traveling and then i liked photography for like the aspect of like bringing home a little bit of the trip with me yeah, just documentation pretty much and then i saw that like social media was pretty inundated um, and for me to like make any sort of like advancement in social media outside of all the noise was I had to like increase the quality of what I was offering. I had to make my pictures look better. I didn't always have like the nicest jobs, so they had to like be good pictures of not nice jobs, A lot like of the dirty stuff, like things like that. Yeah. And then I, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting you. And that, you know, when you when I first met you, I sh- just asked you a bunch of questions, and then we'd see each other every now and then, I asked you some more questions, followed you online, and I'm like, all right, I kind of think, I, I see where, what I need to bring to what I'm doing in order to, like, get that, like, attention, Attraction. and I definitely don't think I'm, any, like, I'm not 
for those listening, I'm definitely not putting myself on any sort of like platform that he's on. And I'm not, I don't even think like, I'm not at all either. No, but I think you're excellent. Shut the fuck up. Um, (laughs) you, you gave me like a point to jump to. I appreciate several times. Like I saw you fly the drone around. I'm like, okay. And then I got my drone and I would fly it around in my, and I would watch your videos and I'd watch my videos and then I would watch other people like extract, like teaching me how to fly the drone or get the shots. And then like every video got a little smoother. Now my transitions are smoother. Now I'm transitioning the camera down while flying it at like a three, doing like three point turns, three point point turn. Yeah. So like I'm starting to really, really engage on that to the point where like before I would have the drone in the truck all the time and John would be like, let's put the drone up. And now I have the drone in the truck all the time because it's literally nothing for me to just pop it up, fly it up, do, 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 and then put it back in the truck and for us to leave. Mm -hmm. And like, that took so much more work than I thought it was going to. It always does. But I would just fly that thing around. I would get home, and if it was still, like, bright enough outside, I would just cruise around. The best thing you could do is just practice. Just try and get stuff. I got my drone in the wintertime, too. So I I definitely didn't, like, when I got it, I was, like, the first time I flew it, I was like, oh, my God, my fingers are, like, so numb. I'm not even sure I can land. (laughs) So the better you get, You'll be more comfortable. In the winter, I fly in my car. I just sit in my car with the heat on. Because mm-hmm. I, I kind of know what the drone is. I know the height that it's at. I know where the tr- trees, I know where everything is. So I just sit in my car with the heat on. But I know the feeling mm. completely. Yeah, so that uh, I power, learned. Power move. Just fly with the drone. Be in the car and fly with the drone. That's right. Well, I did it today for the first time. In the, in the did you? Pa- yeah, I, had a car, I was parked in the street. Uh-huh. And I was filming an excavator. And uh, a client was coming home. Um, to a different house, and my truck was parked in the street. So I had to, like, oh, this, I got to get in the car real quick. And I just left the drone in the air. I got back out, and I was like, oh, my God, it's still there. I'm oh, like, yeah. I don't know where I thought it was going to go. Like, no. You'll learn to trust it because yeah. the technology really is pretty Apocalyptic insane. America, we can just launch that bad boy, like, in with the hand out the window. Yeah. Right? Just survey people. Yeah, just survey. Yeah, you'd probably get shot down in five minutes. Yeah. Like surveying people, he's just like flying it over people. Oh, I do. Yeah. So I, so I could probably hit my own drone out of the sky with a rock. Sometimes, like I'm like thinking, about, I'm like, well, how would I get this thing down? Like you, know, you think weird stuff when you're a dude. Shoot how do I how shotgun. do I hit drones down with rocks? <laughs> <laughs> what do you you have the you have a couple drones? No, I just have one. Well, mm. I had I just sold the other one like a couple months ago, but uh, it's just the Mavic Two Zoom. Mm. Is that um, the small one? No, that's the m- either the Mavic, the Spark, the Mavic Mini, or the Mavic Air. Those are the really small ones. Mm. Um, but the Mavic uh, Pro is kind of like the medium-sized one. Mm. It's not like the big, big one, but it's kind of medium-sized. Okay, mm. That's legit. But it's got a zoom lens on it, which I thought was super useful. Mm. And you don't – you take a lot of videos for other builders. You've taken some stuff for us. You don't really see that on your page. Mm. Um, I find that interesting. Because it's really good work, they put it on their page, but you've only so, you've like solely personalized your page to be like a, a reflection of yep. you. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's you know you don't need to get that extra content out there. Yeah, um, my page, my personal page is completely directed to me as a cinematographer. It it doesn't have too much relation to my clientele work or my business work. I have a separate page for that, and even that page I kind of slack on. Right. But uh, my personal page is directly. Just me as a cinematographer and kind of stories that I create. And that second page, you have it because someone asks you, like, 
hey, can you do this video for me? What is it, it going to look yeah, like? I have, my, I have a whole website that I have all of my portfolio, all my client work, everything. Yeah, um, what is that website? ExpansiveMediaProductions.com. Um, but that's where I have everything. Uh, my social media, though, I do post some of the client work. But my personal is just, I don't really post much client work. I do occasionally. Son of a bitch. If I really like it. I really like it. So what do you, what ask, what, what type of gig work do you like the most? Um, that's hard. Can we start making really fucking funny videos and recording them? I would love to make funny videos. I don't, I, don't, I haven't made very many funny videos. What if we make a funny video and we get it to go viral? It just helps everybody out. I mean, what do you want to do that's funny? I don't know, man. Yeah, We've come up with some pretty good funny. ideas. We do. We have a grenade on the table right now. That's, that's not true. getting any laughs. That's true. But uh, you've had some good ideas, and and when I see your ideas and someone else uses them or just happen to have the same idea, I get frustrated. It's like, dude, we could have that video. It does. My my ideas. I definitely could have that virus, dude. Get stolen. You just gotta do it. Yeah, the, you just gotta do yeah. it. Sometimes that's I, okay. Sometimes I'm okay with just giving my ideas away. Mm. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I see stuff. Let's, let's do a funny video. You want to do it? Like right now? Not right now. <laughs> But the, the work I want to get into is like documentary. Mm. I definitely see what uh, style. what do you want? What kind of documentary? Like, what do you want to focus on? Um, what first? I guess I would love to just like real people, like muskrats. What? No, don't listen. <laughs> <to him. laughs> um, like I, I I follow a bunch of cinematographers that do a bunch of work in um, like Uganda and stuff, like people building schools and stuff. Like I find that very interesting. Um, but I also really like local stories as well like I, I helped on a mini documentary with a friend of mine who uh, created a story about this woman who was in like an abusive relationship but she's also like a professional MMA fighter mm. so that was a beautiful story mm. um, I'm in the process of kind of creating one about my high school football coach's son who was killed in a drunk driving accident mm. um, but that is kind of what interests me is something that's real and something that I can connect with the people in a way. That's not like tell somebody's story. You have yeah. a lot of uh, you have a lot of topics now. You can go a lot, lot of opportunities now. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, There's a guy I want to connect you with. Um, his name's David Sylvester. I gave him your Sylvester. contact information a while ago. Um, his Instagram is the Human High Five. The Human High Five. Okay. He's dude. Dave. Out. Dave's probably one of the most special people to me um he's a fitness trainer he's ridden his bike across america he rode wow. his bike across africa like wow. he's ridden his bike everywhere but the most important thing about dave is he's this large like looming guy and this guy walks around and literally has just like traveled the world like mm -hmm. spreading love and stuff like that and he was asking me like maybe six or seven months ago um he's like yeah you probably know a good cinematographer video like something like that i'm like yo dude this is your guy when you're ready and i know he's working on a book right now so okay maybe we'll reach out That'll eventually but do that's definitely like i know that you would do would his it. story yeah. justice mm -hmm. a lot a lot of times documentaries only hit one side but hit it really well it's really hard to hit both sides of it but when you do you can have something really special Very. like do you do you feel like you want to hit, like, when you approach that, do you try to approach all angles of the story, or do you try to I focus on... I like to keep an open mind, definitely. Um, I do think occasionally one will overtake the other in a way. I think that's due to just nature in and of itself. One will take the other, but I think I really do find that both sides do deserve an equal opportunity to tell their story, without a doubt. 
Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, depending on the bigger budgets and stuff like that, producers and everyone will have their biases of what story they want to tell. But it's just, it's a matter of trying to find that balance. Damn. What if you can get a documentary, get the topic, not really sure where it's going to go, GoFundMe page. Like, how much do you need for a documentary to be really good? Do you have any idea? I guess it's project it, related. It, it is definitely project related. How much Lo- travel location, you need? Location, yeah. um, crew, size, equipment, the how long you're going to be. What would you guess? Fifty k. I still think that's like that's like someone yeah, coming up really to you hard. and being like, "How much does it cost to build a four bedroom house?" Yeah, I'd it's give really a range. I give him a fucking range. It'd be six hundred to one point two million. That's a house you want to build. That's it, that's it's also well, what he's the documenter. Yeah, but what if what he what he wants to offer isn't what they need? As a cinematographer, I don't run the show. It's usually what the directors and producers feel the story needs quality wise and budget wise. Um, so if they have a oh, so ten, you, you're not going to be necessarily the, the director no, of the no. documentary unless uh, he does it himself. Unless I do it myself, which I do plan that's on I doing. We, I that's have a I couple. We were going. I have a couple that I do plan on doing myself because I like to tell stories myself. Yeah, but as a cinematographer, it's pretty much related to how much the budget you have and what you can work with that. Um, because if you have a $6,000 budget, you can make it look like a multi-million dollar film. Um, but you could also have a multi-million dollar budget and make it look like a cheap-ass film. It's pretty much, it all depends on your skill level and what you could use with the equipment that you have. And what, the the people. what the costs are like associated with the project. Yeah, travel, no, travel I, I watch a lot of documentaries. Uh, a lot of the stuff on Netflix you'll see is like But I was just going to complain about that. What, how it's a, bi- a documentary shows bias? It's, yeah. Well, it's, there's bias in everything. It would I be unnatural if there wasn't. I know there's bias. unnatural, but it's, it's almost like, I don't know, I find better documentaries sometimes like on YouTube of something that's like really, it seems like the ones on Netflix are now made for TV. I don't think they've always been Netflix like that. has politics. Yeah. Um, I guess a lot of YouTube, a lot of YouTube individual creators don't have the politic aspect yeah. to producers and stuff, so they create kind of real Yes, that's why you gotta love Joe Rogan so much. He, I'm sure he had that Spotify deal working for a long time. Oh, for sure. But the best part is like this whole year he's kept his mouth shut, being like YouTube. You guys can't keep suppressing people. You can't take videos off of things like you like if he like and he's left leaning. So he's like, you can't suppress these people that I support because that'll make the other side rise up even harder. Yeah, and like. He's like he was very he, he would he would express me like oh, well, YouTube's gonna ban us if we do this or YouTube and now he's just like sorry YouTube Peace. we gone yeah. and he's going I think it's in September do you is think the full that transition hits their revenue blip think I think if enough people leave Barstool's leaving YouTube they're going to Spotify too I don't think Spotify's Joe over. I don't think Joe himself will have an impact but Joe himself will have an impact on other people leaving right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because like, if you knew Joe and we and we what were fighting the kid, and you were Brendan Shop, and Joe came over to you and be like, "Hey, Brendan, it's nice over here. It's they nice over listen, here." They all love. They all listen to him. All of his like Joey Diaz. A lot of them follow Joe Rogan's business model. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, they all listen to. It. They must yeah. just sit around and listen to podcasts all day long. That's all they do. <laughs> yeah, did I told you 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 listen to Brendan Shop? Uh, I don't listen to his podcast. Yeah, he's well, during the Corona thing. He started this thing called Thick Boy. Bike club. bike club and uh, because he's a thick boy mm-hmm. and it blew up like pretty much everything he does now like he's just like branded so many things that of he's course. like a, he's excellent at branding and it like he he they had they, they had live shows in spokane 
this past weekend and they were hosting a thick boy bike club ride the morning of like hit their comedy shows and he's like yeah we got a bit of a problem 200 people are registered to show up and we're not allowed to be in the park like he goes he goes there's a whole lot of thickness on the trails this weekend he's like they can't stop the thickness and i'm like so i i message his brother who's his manager i'm like yeah let me be i know i'm not thick but let me be the Thick Boy Bug Club ambassador for Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Um, I'm like, <laughs> up every day, I'm like, I hope there are back. so many. I hope they're right back. I can't wait to get on my bike. I'll be a thick boy there. But there's so many thick, older age men, like 50, 60 year old men with giant guts just riding <laughs> like there's no <laughs> we tomorrow. We were driving down 202 bypass the other day, and he used to cycle. And we'll re rejoining the Roadmasters, Thick Boy Bug Club soon once he gets some new tires. No, I've been, I've been trying. I've been, I've been, he's been riding. Raid. Easing your way in a little bit. No, he's been riding tires that he shouldn't be riding oh, dude, on the road. That's the problem. It's yeah, not easing gonna, into it. It's go. tires aren't. They're going to go and I'm having an accident. He's like, yeah, the tires are a little cracked on the edges. Oh. And I'm like, get new tires. You're going to crash. Yeah, that's yeah. dangerous. But he is uh, old. I think they get probably have 2,000 miles on them. And uh, the rocks are starting to penetrate through. And my weight, like I'll hit a bump. And, like, I will feel the tire compress, even if it's pumped up all the way. He's like, the I felt the rim touch the pavement today on a small bike ride with my son. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, that's fucking it. So that wasn't even going that fast. <laughs> but we were going down 202 Bypass the other day, and this, this portly gentleman was riding. Yeah, he had to be five foot three, giant gut. 250 pounds. Bull-legged, oh, 250 pounds, but he's riding with his, like, knees way out. <laughs> but he's just humping it. He probably rode 70 miles that day. And John's like, you know what's weird about biking? He's like, biking more than any other sport has a lot of thick people. It does. And I'm like, well, you're a cyclist. And he's like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think what happens is when you get done with a long ride that's, like, 30, 40 miles, and you're like, poof, like, you're spent. You, you spend, and anyone that's ever done that, you spend the first half hour, like, recovering, either drinking a shitload of water, not really going inside, like, you're just sitting there. I don't know. Yeah, no. After I've, you know, like, when I hit the harder rides of the week, dude, I'll, la I'll lay in on the garage floor or yeah. in the driveway. Because, like, cool like I'll go out, like, well, I'll, I'll leave five in the morning, and it's still cold when i get back for sure and i'll be like oh my god i'm gonna throw the fuck up i feel like i'm vom like and i push it i push it harder than most people do because i that's just enjoy what this, i enjoy, enjoy like when, when i come back and like i just suffered I, like i feel better yeah yeah. <laughs> maybe that's a problem i know that feeling I know what but saying. it's like you get back and you're just like i need comfort and the only thing i've got is the cold floor <laughs> but a lot of guys just come it. home and just eat like Peanut butter and jelly after peanut butter and jelly. Bananas. Why are you going to bring peanut butter and jelly up like that? Because well, I just... I Dude, just, yeah. so this is what happens. Get dressed or get a shower. Get dressed. Get in the car. By the time I get to the office, my lunch is gone. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that, yeah. And it's but not even 8 o'clock. You choose to eat healthy <laughs> when you do that. But I don't choose to eat healthy. The healthy foods are presented to me mm. and given to me as options. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, though. My lunch wasn't getting packed for a few weeks because like, we're redoing our kitchen. Mm. We're displaced with the corona and... The wife found out about all the the going out, the food, and she's like, mm. the Chipotle Mondays, Chipotle uh, Mondays. She doesn't like you eating unhealthy. Uh, it, it's more so like she wants me around forever. I understand, and like she knows you just give up a, these couple things these days. It's just a little moderate. Like yeah. she knows what I know what she's doing. I'm keen to it. I'm not upset about it. It's definitely my weakest area. In discipline is food. 
Mine is Reese's. Don't fucking lie to me. Reese's. Yo. 100%. This guy sneaks a Reese's in his bag oh, every dude, day. I sneak at least one or two in there every day. There it is. <laughs> They're so good. Dude, I, li- I literally, I shit you not yesterday. Everybody else, like, making my lunch in the morning, and I come up from the basement, and I'm literally, like, I got the Reese's cup yeah. along my leg. Like, so good. I'm like, oh, I got a coffee. I'm, like, trying to show her the coffee in my left hand, throw the Reese's cup in with the right. <laughs> and she's like, I saw that. <laughs> she's like, who do you think bought that? Pot, the big box of Reese's cups, but it was like, it was hidden under like under like some like healthy skinny popcorn, like all this other shit. Like one day I was just like looking for something, and you saw him, and I don't know where anything is, and I was like, "There's a king size box of Reese's cups, and there's a king size box under the king size box." I was like, "What's and, going and on?" I'm, I'm a king, yeah, <laughs> and I'm a king. These. I have a podcast show. <laughs> I deserve this. And she was like, "Those were for those were for Halloween last year. I didn't give them all. I was I was just like, keeping expire. them from you." And I'm like, and I'm like, oh, "You're right, but I really love the Reese's cups. You know what's banging? The Trader Joe's mini Reese's cups. The Trader Joe's. I'll, I'll take a picture. I know. Exa- I think I, my mom goes to Trader. They're in this uh, a plastic container. Plastic it's like a Chinese container. The best, dude. I know by exactly far. What you're talking about? Yeah. So I ration one of those. I'm allowed. If I'm lucky, I can get three by a day. At, yeah, at night before bed, I'll like go down. She hear, she'll hear the she'll hear the me like trying to pull the plastic open without yeah. making the the box make the noise. She'll be like, "What are you doing?" And she'll be like, "Oh boy." She'll be like, sugar before bed. Mm-hmm. Wonder why you're not sleeping until five. And I'll be like, next day, I'll be like, "I'm so tired, I can't sleep." Like it's a little sleeping problem. And uh, she's like, mm-hmm. sugar before bed. We got to work on that. <laughs> and I'm I, like, damn it. I came into the office today and it was pitch black in here. And uh, I look at Andrew and he looks really refreshed. And he's like, I don't know what he said. But he's like, I got, I got sleep. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I slept eight hours last night. Yeah, it's never it's, happened. It's literally that rare. Usually I'm pretty good. Usually I'm pretty strong. I think. Jonathan's probably the only person that notices when I'm tired off. off yeah. I'm pretty good at like masking. J- yeah, just grinding up. And with the like with the masking is also like a problem because then like I get home at night and I've just like say like mentally I'm not having a good day. But like I still have to put on for everybody all day. Yeah. And like keep the energy because I'm like I'm the movement guy. Like I gotta I gotta keep the wind in our sails, I gotta keep everybody going, like so, like, I'll get home at the end of the night, and I'm just, like, like, you know, panic attacks or freak, like, just, like, just, like, irritability or just, like, exhaustion. And it wasn't until, like, n- like, not, not maybe a year or two ago where I started, like, actually being, like, okay, you can get asked too many questions in one day to the point that that one more question blows you, like, just lights your world up. And although it's not proper for you to react that way, it is proper for you to acknowledge that that's possible and for you to like deal with that preemptively. I know one thing that Jonathan and I started implementing was like when we both get home, we don't live together. Although I wish I lived in John's house. (laughs) Um, We kind of (laughs) just, we kind of just, I sit in the car Mm. or I'll sit in the driveway. If there's like a dog loose, I'll grab them and just like, I need to not engage people right away. Because, like, when I come into my house, like, I want to be, like, usually my wife's, unfortunately, the one that bears, like, the brunt of 
my irritability at that level and like it's really up for me to like start acknowledging and that's what i do like i'll sit in the truck i take a couple minutes for myself like i'll watch like a little funny you know king and the sting youtube video get my get, get laughing a little bit by the time i get out of the truck you know i'm like all right you know what like i'm laughing a little yeah. bit like i kind of like it, it's the separation i need from like the war of the day to like walking inside and when i think about that I cannot fucking imagine what it's like to be a cop. Uh, I'm building nice homes and dealing with people over money and like contractors. You're not dealing with like, like what domestic it, violence. I'm not dealing like with that. someone's life. I'm not like I didn't just respond to a police call where a man beat up his wife and kids or like something terrible like that. I could not imagine digesting and managing all that emotion and responsibility knowing how inefficient I am at it with like the great life that I already have. The best advice, the best, well, the most powerful thing I think my wife ever had said, and this is, it pretty much changed how I approached coming inside the house. And I still suck at it cause I suck. But she said, why do I have to bear the worst part of you every day? Cause when you come home, you're done, you're spent. And, it's power is like it sticks with me every day. So when I come in fury, like I come in hot. It's not even that I'm angry or upset. It's I'm in a I'm your, in like, your race car I'm mode. The, I'm in the race car mode. Like I'm in the mode. Like when I drive, when I'm working and like my kids are in the car, there's no talking because I'm in work mode in my yeah. mind. I may be thinking about something, thinking about five or six steps ahead, which is you know, I just can't drive in the car and I just be like blah. Yeah. Right, I'm always thinking, but yeah, it's 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 you don't want to go home and give the worst part of you during the day to your family. Like you always got to give, the, you got to try to give the best. And if you can't give the best, you got to change. Why that. are you doing it? What, the whole reason you're doing yeah. it all is to go home the for why. that moment. Yeah, yeah you got to ask the why. So you got to you got to figure out like the balance. And if it's not working, you got to change something until it does work. That's what I ref like. That's one of the things systematically that I think about now when I'm doing that like wind down yeah. is like I try to actively like when my mind goes off i'm like no 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 no. we're not thinking about that right now we're thinking about like how good things are like how like the reason you work so hard today was so you could go in and like have that have those enjoyment moments or like ha like have all of that and like if you're if you don't have the reason why you're at a disadvantage and if you can't manage yourself to enjoy your why you're equally at a disadvantage. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. And, like, bringing it back full circle, like, when he takes these pictures of people, like you were saying, like, how he doesn't put, like, the construction, but, like, the photography and cinematography that Carlo is putting on his page. Yeah. Like, when I, like, dude, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, when I'm sitting in the car unwinding, like, I'm looking through that stuff. I'm, like, reading your stuff. and I'm Or, like, the one day I watched your, um, this is, like, when I first started, like, actively doing the car sitting thing. Mm -hmm. I watched your, like, first sit-down being like, hey guys, I'm fucking awkward as shit. I'm gonna do these videos now. <laughs> and I was like, look at this guy. And then you like you just did like a little I think it was like your girlfriend um was like sitting in a room. Like you were just yeah, doing like this reading. little mini yeah. shoot and she was just reading. And I was just like I was like, the way you are filming her, someone you love, you I've like experienced you take pictures and video people that are swinging a hammer and you don't even know their name. And somehow you're still able to capture 
99% of it. I mean, loving, so, like being able to take a picture of someone you love you and do all that. It's like, it's a little extra, mm-hmm. but like you still somehow can like, and I don't know if it's like a, just you as like a caring, compassionate person or if it's like a skill you've developed, but like that's definitely something, like when I traveled the last time I traveled, I like said to Ariel on the way back, like I wish I took more pictures of like the people mm. because like when we came here and like, where was I? I was in Albania. Albania. I was in Albania, Albania with yeah. reckless people. And such a beautiful, like I, there's no, like Albania, the people there are so nice. Mm. Like I cannot overemphasize on this. You think they're streaming Netflix every night? Albania. Oh yeah. 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 But like you would see like, and the people that we met in Albania and talked to and interacted with, like I missed a whole part of the trip, capturing a whole part of the trip. That was like really the most powerful whole part. Like we were walk, we were hiking through, like we hiked through somebody's living room. Wow. Like it was literally they had like the str- like. Then they were just like, "Oh yeah, come come sit down with us." That's and you're just beautiful. like, "Yeah, how do you know I'm not a murderer?" Yeah, like I'm just I just walked out of the woods and just was just stumbled across your house. Like you're like, "Come sit down with us." And I'm like, "Oh okay," but like I, I I didn't capture any of that, and I I didn't realize like what i lost or missed but like i definitely have the goal to like start not maybe taking pictures of people and capturing that but just like looking at people mm. with that appreciation Being that more you're present in a certain situation I guess. yeah if that's what if that's what it is then yes that's something i i struggle with with being a photographer when i travel i always have the camera in my hand so i try to find the balance of actually physically looking and being present in where I am, um, other than looking through the, the camera. Right. Because um, sometimes I have to put the camera down. I, I physically have to just be there. Like the people who go to concerts. Yeah, they're always on their phones. Their they don't experience the concert. Yeah, yeah. How's that, how does that Dude, that's make you feel? Away. What? The, the people videoing concerts. Um, it ca- As like a professional photographer. Like the people in the crowd with the iPhones? Yeah, yeah. just like, um, just taking the whole concert. I think it's concert. okay to do it at a point, like, just to, like, have a memory of it, but you can't do it the whole time. People do the whole fucking, it's I know, like, dude, I know. it infuriates you me. You dude, we, like we went to, enjoying the concert. we went to, um, one of the, what was his name? And this is terrible that I'm blanking on this. The Beatle, um, Elton John. We went to the Elton John farewell tour, which was like his second to last farewell tour, Wait, I guess. Elton John a Beatle? No. It's okay. Nobody got that. I was wondering in my Nobody. Own, like, no, I don't. He's not. <laughs> I just, just thought history rewrote itself there for a second. Yeah, Sir Elton John. Yeah, it's an individual. Not part of it. Elton John's a Beatle, isn't he? What? Sir Elton John's a fucking Beatle. What do you mean? No way. No way. Google it. Pull your phone okay. up. I Pull your phone up right now. There's no way. Because if I'm wrong, I want to know that because I've definitely been thinking he is a Beatle this whole time. Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, John Lennon, and, and Elton John. No way. No way. I don't believe it. Yeah, so anyway. I don't believe it. Anyway, we went to his tour. My wife's mom filmed the whole concert from her phone. Oh. And they got, they like, didn't get into it like moms do, but like Ariel was just like, why? Okay. Why? He did one song <laughs> with with uh, John Lennon. Who's the fourth member? I forgot. Elton John came around right as the Beatles were breaking up. The two made a deal. If the single made it to number one, that Lennon would play a live run with Elton John. They did one song together. So is he not a Beatle? No, he's not. Why not? Then who are the four Beatles? 
Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, John Lennon, and did one of them die? Who died? I forget. John Lennon. Yeah, he died too. But there's only two Beatles left. <laughs> Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr is left, right? Who's the fourth guy? I forgot who's the fourth guy. All right, here we go. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, uh-huh. Ringo Starr. Yep. Elton John. No way. Just kidding. George Harrison. <laughs> ah, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that sounds more that sounds more like proper. Yes. Since you just read it off the truthful internet. And for those listening, <laughs> for those listening, I'm gonna catch shit for this, but I don't like the Beatles. It's okay. I'm not the biggest fan either. I it's not my it. thing. It's not my thing. When people are like, "Oh, the Beatles were ever changing," I was like, "All right, you maybe, maybe I just didn't people wasn't there for the, it." The people who say that are kids of the people who were there, and their whole lives, all they did was listen to Beatles music in their living room because their parents were like, "We were there. We were part of that movement." Right. Yeah. And then it was driven into the kid, and the kid actually probably has no, no actual opinion on their own, and they're just fine. Now I'm completely like stereotyping them, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. With Elton. You. So I saw the Beatle Elton John. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was a unique experience watching all like, the the age separation. Every age had their phone out. Yeah. Top down. It's not like I don't think it's something that discriminates on age i think people just like and i'm always like are you gonna watch that later like and i don't know that i'm actually like asking like maybe some of these people like maybe that's their poop activity maybe when they sit down to like take a nice shit and be like i'm gonna pull up that clip of elton john that one time zoomed way out it's a shitty phone you can almost make out his face but not so they say i don't i've never rewatched a concert i don't think my phone. No, you want to know why? Because you can go to YouTube and that same concert, somebody got paid yeah. to take a badass actual yeah. real video yeah, of it. Professional thing. But I, I will take a picture of this, like to capture like the moment. Yeah, for sure. I'll do it. Like I'm not gonna say I've never done this, and it's but like it's, there's people that like accepted. practically set yeah. up their arm tripod the whole time. I'm like the uh, they say if you are at a life event and you don't take any photos, you actually remember the event more than if you take a photo and then you just remember the moment you took the photo, Mm. like, like recording all the time and, and taking photos of family events. And it infuriates me sometimes. I'm not too passionate about it, but I'll go with my like wife's family. Mm. They'll take a thousand fucking photos of one birthday party and say, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to be in the moment? Are we trying to document that say that we are there? Right, like there's a difference. You don't need to take so many photos. Like you need, you almost need to hire like a cinematographer to or a photographer to come in and like take a few like moments that capture the party or whatever life event mm-hmm. you're at. Like a wedding, everybody remembers weddings because nobody's taking photos because they know that's covered by a professional photographer. You want to you want to hear something nice? Mm. You can remember my wedding, thanks to Carlo. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I just like I hadn't just met Andrew, but we had, were not. We weren't boys. We, we were, were still boys. working things we were out. Still working things out. We we're starting to flirt with the idea of working mm. together. And he's like, "Yo, man, I got like this engagement party, and if you know me, I hate stuff." <laughs> <laughs> like, and I said it to him like the day of. I was like, "Don't forget, it's going to be a good time." And I knew what type of like, like I you. Like I've made it. Like I'm. Not, I was never mad at him. I was never like upset. I never tried to be like, hey man, just so you know. Like I was just like, you're gonna want to be there. And boom, and gets, boom, and gets then I married. bounced to Albania. 
Mm. And then bounced out of being, and I was like, I was on the damn. I was on the tarmac, like getting ready to leave, and I just got way to go. That's awesome. He's literally like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. that's, and I was, I was like, because Johnny works so hard sometimes during the week, especially last fall. Well, we worked that Saturday too. All I want to do sometimes is just go home and mow the lawn and sit in a lawn chair with your freshly and, cut and, and yell at cars driving too fast going by. John's the dad. Oh, dude, we're all the dad. <laughs> cars go beyond 15 miles an hour in a residential street. They're assholes. Yeah, like I saw somebody speeding the other day, and I was like, look at this asshole. And John's like, nah, he's only going 14 and a half miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> his, his eye was like twitching. He was like, mm, 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 14 and a half. I was like, God damn. Oh. You know what, though? That might be our first funny video. Yeah, maybe. There just, you getting, go. just getting like, 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 just like a funny video surrounding like, cause everybody think about how many people could connect to like the guy that's going too fast. Like we just get like a, like a car, like just the speed like, limit in our neighborhood is 25, but there's no reason to go 25 in the neighborhood. It's a fucking neighborhood. There's kids everywhere. Yeah. We, have, we have 25 kids in our street that play outside at the same time. You got babies running around. None of us really want to watch the kids that closely. <laughs> so like they're always like running after balls and stuff. Like Does have, anybody have one of those like stupid little yellow guys that's, sit there and say kids are playing here no but we put shit in the way so like as cars come around the corner they'll like <laughs> hit a bike there's like a <laughs> chair in the middle of the road so like we use our own you, you, you have like a jersey barrier set there's up barrier <laughs> yeah that's what when you pull up to like the embassies and, and shit you gotta like, like drive a, through there's like a perimeter like you got certain you know certain parents on this side of the street certain parents so like we're, we know where the kids are and we've mm-hmm. established an exterior perimeter but within inside that perimeter game on yeah, dudes, have you ever, like, deployed spike strips or anything like that? <laughs> no, but we've definitely thrown a ball at a car. <laughs> <laughs> like, roll it out there as if a kid was going. Like, we said we should get one of those dummies. If a guy's going so fast, we'll, like, shove it out of the way like they just hit a kid. <laughs> but then we thought, well, that, that car might veer off and, like, crash into somebody. And You know, we used to, as kids, we lived in, like, we lived in a really nice neighborhood, but there was, like, a road that cut through my neighborhood it wasn't like a main road but they when they built the neighborhood there was west village drive and that connects like the two sides in the neighborhood and you can use that road to like bypass the neighborhood kind of not in any sort of beneficial way and we would play in this field along this road and like definitely my dad gave us the the, all bunch of these ideas when he was a kid he would tell us the stories of what he did when he was a kid we reinvented all of that stuff, put a little little extra emphasis on all of it, and we would do things like we would wait for cars to drive by, and then, like, I would drop an elbow into my brother's head, and then, like, we would all just start, like, beating on him, and then the cars would stop and be like, oh, my God. Like, we would get, <laughs> dude, we would get ladies to get out and be like, stop hurting him, and then, like, he would get, like, whoever was, like, the getting beat up would, like, we'd all get up and, like, Dude, we, we had, like, WrestleMania battles where we, like, slam. Or, like, we would do, like, we would try and pull oh, a string across the car. Rope, I did that yeah. Too. I guess that stalker now knows, knows where you live now. The guy that's hated on you. Oh, uh, the guy that's upset with me? Yeah. You know what? If he wants to come to my house, we can hug. I told him. I was like, dude, you're real mad right now. I'm more than happy to talk to you. But, no. I was like, sorry, dude, not doing this aggressive aggressive like back and forth with you like i understand you're upset you didn't think my joke was funny 
I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry, dude. When and you get people upset and making jokes and they get upset at you, you know, you've hit you've hit a subject that they really care about. Oh, yeah. And or that just, they feel guilty for. And it's just like, I'm like, hey, man. And I kept saying to him, and he would always be like, look, I'm sorry. I'm just getting really hot. And then, like, 15 minutes would go by, and he would send me another fucking video and be like, I want you to say it. And I'd be like, and I was like, pal, like, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I didn't block him or anything like that because that's just going to accelerate the things. But I was just like, I was just trying to communicate with someone that didn't want to communicate with me. I was like, dude, there's a lot of other people out there right now that like you should be trying to connect with. And I hope you do a better job than you're trying to connect with me right now, because all I want to do right now is not listen to you. Mm. Yeah. So like, you're not, and I was like trying to tell him that be like, dude, if you want me to sit down, like I was like, here's what I would have done friend. I was like, I would have made friends with me. Would have had a simple conversation. Then I would have like, be like, hey, man, you want to, like, maybe I can come on the podcast and talk about it. And, like, the way you behaved towards me about this, like, simple conversation, I probably would have had you come on and, like, we could have talked about it in, like, a night. Like, I can have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. I can still like you and we can differ in opinions with some people. Um, I, that, that art form has been lost to I, have a conversation you disagree with. Somebody. I had an incident yesterday that I wish I had a camera that I could document what yeah. I saw. We got done with our work day probably like, it was like 4.30 or 5, and they had a protest in Doylestown. You know, a rural suburban city. I'm on the phone. City. I it's <laughs> town. I don't know, town, whatever. And a couple, one joke is, is it really considered a protest if everyone's forced to be on the sidewalk? That's the, you know, because everyone was jammed up against yeah. these, up, up against the building. So you had, you know, the time of social distancing. And a lot of do- people in Doylestown really cared about masks and social distancing. But they shoved all the protesters on four corners of the street, right? So, you know, you're in an intersection. So every corner, four corners. But fact, yeah. you literally had old people on one corner, the young white kids on the other corner. So super and the, separated. And the young black kids on the other corner. Mm-hmm. It was the most segregated protest for anti-segregation I've ever seen. And if I could have captured that on a fucking photo, that would be like, He called me. And he's like, you won't America. believe this, dude. The protest is segregated. <laughs> it was and I'm so sitting in my car. I'm, like, I'm about to start my end of day wind down. <laughs> and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, yeah. And he's like. And they're not even in the street. They're on the sidewalks. Like, it's segregated, and they're on this. They're keeping them on. This isn't in a protest. <laughs> That's but there so were a funny. There's probably through two, three hundred people there. Dude, he wasn't even protesting, but he was like mad on behalf of the protesters <laughs> about how ridiculous. weak their protest was. It was so ridiculous that it was completely. And he's like, segregated. you guys. Came, he's like, they came out for this. They're not even like. And I was just like, oh, I'll talk. I was like, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> He's so like, I'll, I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> it's just that that is typical America, right there. Yeah, um, but dude, what what can we do for you? Like, what's going on, in Carlos' world, your business, or anything? Like, I know, like we we had you on this podcast. We appreciate you coming out. Like every person I say this to, when like I'm always so grateful for like people's willingness to come participate mm-hmm. on like what we're just starting on. Of course. Because it's like, like, because we're passionate, like I understand somebody else might not understand that. So like I, one, I want to thank you for driving yeah. all this way. Cause you yeah, did no come problem. up from the beach. Yeah, um, so like you I definitely get the award for the most miles driven to come on the show. I mean, I just value people's passion for things and I, I like to help whoever I can. Like I have friends that start businesses and I, help them as much as I can because I see their passion and 
I've experienced things and I, I know what they're going through, mm. especially when they just start something. So I'm always here to help starting businesses and stuff like that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. If anyone listening is interested in documenting anything in their life, um, Carlo is your guy. Carlo is your guy. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think I'm going to share some of his story. Yeah. Dude. Capture that. Throw it back on my story. Retag, mm-hmm. repost. Yeah, I was going to say, I think did that's you called put a those, repost. Did you put those story in a They're photo? Are they all, like, can I share a post that you did, or are they all part of a story? Which, the Asbury? Or yeah. So the Asbury ones, they're on my Instagram story, but I put them, if you go on my page, you'll see underneath, like, uh, it says, like, cinematographer for my website, there'll be, like, three circles. Mm-hmm. It's right there. There's that, one like, of them. those special circles. The special yeah, circles, but it stays right in, like, there. a story. It stays I there, yeah. I might so have to screenshot You screenshot and share it, yeah. Dude, it was... They're good. They're it was really very, good. very impactful. I, I would tell you, me looking at that story before we started this conversation allowed me to get a little more passionate and a little more mm-hmm. uh, less aggressive on my stances on maybe this thing is way more complicated than we think. It is. It's, it, hum, it humanizes it, it. It humanized the shit out of what is going on. And I think that in its powerful self of me watching that for five, like two minutes. Mm-hmm. What was like really completely shaped my right afternoon. before we started. I got a message on Facebook. Uh, some lady messaged me saying she w- she wants to use my photo and put it on a her, her poster to mm. protest. I thought that was insane. Insane. That that's was crazy. That's really insane. I will say, like the one thing you don't do is like you don't do a lot of like over tagging, over hashtagging. Like, a lot of people that I noticed, and these are people like I personally know, like. Every one of their po- pictures that they tried to like capture the emotion on, from Philadelphia's um, riot to, or pride protest turned riot, um, they were at Action Six, at NBC, at yeah, Meek Mill, at this, and it's like, are you just trying to get your pictures get, on the news? My goal wasn't to get clout from this or any sort of huge recognition. I just wanted to share my point of view to the people that already follow me, mm. really. Um, and I wasn't really looking for any sort of outreach. So that's why I didn't really. This one where anyone. the little girl like ha- looks like she has goggles on. And she's sitting on her dad's shoulders yeah. or something. Yeah. It's like in the the. Because you can look at that stuff and like, regardless of what skin color you are, you've got a daughter. And you're you're thing. not seeing that. You're not seeing like a black guy with a black kid on his shoulders protesting. This like you just see a look person. At this, look at this photo. Do you think doing it in black and white actually made it more? New, like, I think it like made it race, more real. N- race neutral. In a way, because then you're not focusing on anything other than like other than the image itself, the, the image and the, of the, the, and the people. I, and I the guess people you could itself. say that, yeah, because black and a, white. My goal yeah. was to kind of eliminate any exterior color that could be a distraction. Mm. Um, I just wanted to focus pinpoint on what I was shooting, and you most might of have it, eliminated race being a distraction too. And I think mm-hmm. that's that that to me that may have been like the most powerful photo on that. I'm just gonna yeah, we might have to use some of I those pictures in promoting this podcast because like I, I like. Yeah. You know, you can't plan when you're coming on or what you're, what we do. Like, we had no idea when, like, I asked you to come on, like, that sure. that, that was going to happen. I didn't know like, idea. That, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, I'm grateful I went. I really am. It yeah. changed. Yeah. It, it opened my eyes big time. That's awesome. I, 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 wish, I will say I your you posts, your posts alone, maybe it's because, like, I know you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's your talent. I don't know. I'll be fair and honest. That's fair. That like 
I don't know. I definitely took more time on your pictures than I did on a majority of pictures. I won't say all pictures, but like most of it's just like I scroll past, I scroll past. Mm-hmm. It's like virtue singling, virtual signal. It's like, it's like, oh, tell me about the time you were affected or like that. And I'm like, I just like, I need, I don't, I didn't need or need, I didn't need any of that. Mm-hmm. I already, I already knew where I stood on all of this. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people already did that I don't think there needs to be an overemphasis of like saying out loud where you stand. Yeah. Like I don't need to go on my story and just be like, this is how, where I stand and everybody's doing that. Nobody cares where I stand. I haven't done anything. I feel like I'm going to go do that though. I haven't done anything. That's fine. You, whatever. I don't judge you. I don't, I haven't done anything in the, like with my life to have a comment in this matter. Like I can shed yeah. some humor. I can like say, "Hey, this is kind of silly," or like, "Oh, that's crazy," or "Hey, this is interesting." But like, no, nowhere throughout this entire event that I think to myself, I should make an Instagram post and tell everybody what I'm feeling. That's exactly how I kind of directed the way I shared these photos and the way I took these photos because I don't know what these people are going through. I, I never will. But it's my job to. I've figured to share what these people are kind of going through in a neutral way. Like, I didn't make any comments on the story saying that this is what I believe, this is what I don't. I just shared these humans mm. in there and what they were doing at that particular moment. Um, so I, I, that's kind of just my point of view, and I just wanted to be neutral about it and show the, real, the realism of what was actually happening. See, I think we can wrap it up there. Yeah. I think, I think we just need to all, you know, see the human in each other that's it and fundamentally like we we should be really grateful for people like carlo right now that you know have the talent or have perfected their craft and taken the time to you like you didn't get paid to go take any of those pictures that was for for the purpose of serving the people that were there the people that were there absolutely and like yeah there's nothing i can say about that I think like that that in and of itself says everything it needs to be said. And I think if people follow your examples and humanize each other, maybe don't take pictures of each other, but maybe just take a moment to just really look through your black and white lenses mm-hmm. and just see the people. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. That's the solution, man. See people. Well, we wish you the best. Thank you for what, having what, me. What I've just seen and, and is very powerful. And if you can continue figuring out moments that you can capture that, I think that you're going to get Oh, I see, really magnif- I see magnificent things like, for you. Like that's, Thank you. I don't even know you, and it makes me proud to have you on the podcast. So thanks I for coming. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, dude, Thank so you for having me. This is been an honor. Carlos Stiliano <laughs> at <laughs> Carlo. I keep trying to do it, but... At Carlos Stiggs on Instagram, um, Carlos Stiggs on YouTube. Yeah, that's right. That's Carlo S T I G I S or S T I G S G S. Yeah, I don't even know what you said. I think Elton John's one of the Beatles, so don't fucking listen to me. This was the After Five podcast. Carlo, John, and Andrew, we're so grateful for the listeners.